Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, everybody, I think we're ready now. Sorry for the delay there. Two minutes late. Uh oh. Uh oh. Your Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> uh oh. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, June 12th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Brotherhood. Oh, I'm sorry. In the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky Show. Oh, my God. And, of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, June 12th, or July 12th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. We welcome back the Heartland Mamas. And it's the return of our good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, Doris Davenport. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, doing weird things, playing air organ, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this, if it's good enough for the Tribune Friday. And here's why. All right, everybody. Recess is over. You heard me, D. No more alligator talk, all right? Okay. No more stories about the alligator. Oh, I know what you're saying. Oh, I really love the alligator. All right, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'll cut a deal with you. I'll let you talk about the alligator, but first, you have to have this civics lessons, all right? It's the equivalent of eating your vegetables before you eat your chocolate cake. All right, so today's civics lessons has to do by voter rights. Specifically, I'm talking about the lawsuit filed by Jason Gonzalez against Michael Joseph Madigan having to do with their election in 2016. Let me take the deep dive. Let me take the setup. Give you the setup, folks. It was a story about it in today's bright one. Let me just show you that story. There we go. There you go, downloaders. Okay. Just for you. Story in the bright one. Reminding me that Gonzalez filed the lawsuit. All right, let's go. 2016 was the year. Bruce Rauner was the governor of the state of Illinois. You remember him, D. (laughs) Yeah, I do. He was the dastardly and evil Republican governor who wanted to use all his powers to destroy unions so that he could have more money for guys like him. And who was in his way? Michael 
Joseph Madigan, House Speaker, Democrat. Now, I've been battling Madigan for years and years, D, long before it was fashionable. But I got to tell you this, when it was Rauner trying to destroy unions versus Michael Joseph Madigan, guess whose side I was on? Michael Joseph Madigan's, all right? I can't believe it. For once, I was seeing eye to eye with Madigan. Anyway, Madigan is in a district on the southwest side of Chicago. Follow me, people. That's approximately, oh, I don't know, 60% Hispanic. A guy named Jason Gonzalez announced that he was going to run in the Democratic primary. Suddenly, there was fear in Madigan country. I could just imagine the scene, D, at the Southwest Side headquarters. Madigan convenes all of his top political aides, and Madigan says, Oh, my God, I'm scared. That's my Michael Madigan. Pretty good. (laughs) Very good. Hold on. Let me eat an apple. Madigan loves apples. Anyway, I'm scared. I'm threatened. There's 60% Hispanic. My name's Madigan, an Irish name. His name is Gonzalez, a Hispanic name. Hence, all the voters can vote for him and not, uh, and not vote for me. I'll lose. At which case, one of his aides said, boss, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a couple of guys with Hispanic names in the race. How about that? And the voters will be so confused. They'll vote for the, uh, the wrong Hispanic guy. And you will win. At which point, Madigan goes, my God, you're a genius. <laughs> have a raise i just imagined all this conversation d i don't even know if it took place but you know let's just say it did take yeah, place sure. something like that actually i don't think any aide had to suggest that uh, little d- diabolical scheme to michael madigan because people in the city of chicago in the state of illinois republicans and democrats have been trying to undercut their opposition by putting phony candidates uh in the race since before young dennis was born and well, that wasn't that long ago. Before I was born. How about that? Ah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, a long, long time ago. So anyway, out of nowhere came two Hispanics who nobody ever heard of. One named Barbosa, one named Rodriguez. Out of nowhere, they emerged, folks, with enough nominating signatures to get on the ballot. And when the election was all over, Michael Joseph Madigan was victorious with 65% of the vote. Gonzalez had 27% of the vote, Rodriguez had 6 and Barbosa had 2. Poor Barbosa, he got 2% of the vote. Anyway, Rauner was angry, cursed, foiled again by that evil Michael Joseph Madigan. Anyway, it's not over, folks. Two years later, we're in court. Jason Gonzalez has filed a federal lawsuit against Madigan, arguing, or follow me in this, folks, that by putting those two Hispanic-named candidates on the ballot, he, Madigan, effectively diluted the vote of voting power of Hispanics in that district and therefore was acting unconstitutionally. I have my issues with this argument on many levels. This is this action has been done for years and years and years by all kinds of people. So, for instance, Hmm. (laughs) when when the Shaw brothers did it to Jesse Jackson by putting another candidate in the race named Jesse Jackson, were they diluting the voting power of black voters when they did that? Even though everybody in the race was black, just asking. Okay, if I were a judge, I would ask that question. Uh, Furthermore. There's an underlying assumption here. And the assumption here, follow me in this, hmm. D, is that voters, Hispanic voters in uh, Madigan's district are dimwits. Oh. That's the underlying assumption of Gonzalez's case. Follow me in this. The underlying assumption in, uh, in Gonzalez's case is that voters in that district saw a bunch of names, Hispanic names, didn't know who was who. Like, oh, I don't know that Gonzalez is the guy who's got most of the money and sending out most of the brochures and has got TV commercials as being attacked by a Madigan. I don't, I, just a bunch of Hispanic names. I don't know which one is which. I'll just close my eyes and vote for whichever one I hit first. 
Now, I can understand why Republicans uh, might have a, a, a view, uh, a less than uh, complimentary view of voters. Donald Trump right now is trying to win over swing voters in suburban districts by saying, I love the environment, even though every policy he has instituted is destroying the environment. And he thinks that's good enough to get voters to vote for him. So I can understand why Republicans uh, would have such a, a dim view of the voters. I have a healthier view of the voters, and that's why I raised this question. What if the voters in that district actually voted for Barbosa and Rodriguez because they didn't want to vote for Gonzalez or Madigan? Did you think of that, D? <laughs> Not until now. Yeah. What if? What if they were just exercising oh my God. their right of choice? And they said, you know what? I don't want to vote for Madigan because he's the incumbent and I don't like his policies. And I don't want to vote for Gonzalez because, I don't know, I just don't like the guy. So I'll vote for the other guy, Rodriguez or Barbosa. Isn't that a possibility that they acted out of their own volition, their own choice? And I know what you're saying, D. I know you're saying never, ever, ever would a voter vote for a lesser candidate if they have two well-known candidates in the race. And that's where I will raise the Tribune defense. If you recall, okay. in 2016, Stop pointing at me. <laughs> the choice voters faced in the presidential election was Hillary Clinton, the Democrat, and Donald John Trump, the Republican. And the Chicago Tribune's editorial board said, you know what? We don't like either one. We're going to go for the libertarian guy named Gary Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. So, Jason Gonzalez and your Republican lawyers... If it's good enough for the Tribune, it's good enough for the Hispanic voters on the Southwest side. We got a great show today, everybody. Romano Sane will be here. It's Friday. Romano Rundown. We're going to be talking. Oh, I ain't compared Jeffrey Epstein to the Smollett Gate story. There's a lot to do the deep dive there. The, 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 uh, the way in which people try to manipulate the legal process. We'll be talking to Romano Hussein about that, plus a whole bunch of other things. Those rickets are up to no good with the property tax Those damn scams. dirty rickets. <laughs> we'll see if Romano is still aboard the uh, Cub bandwagon, even after it turns out the Todd Ricketts is playing all kinds of games with property taxes. Uh, and maybe we'll get a little movie review for Romana. She's a big fan of the movie Yesterday, as is Leah. Uh, so we'll be uh, talking about uh, maybe that movie as well. And then, of course, Heidi Henry and Murray, Murray Briel, the uh, co-hosts of the Heartland Mamas from uh, the uh, northwest suburbs, excuse me, the, um, the western suburbs. Uh, and uh, they'll be talking about all kinds of rural issues, suburban issues. Can Democrats uh, build a base of support in Trump land? And then Doris Davenport will be here, the star of the Doris Davenport show, and she's all fired up. Uh, she wants to talk about the presidential elections, and I'm ready to talk about that as well. So plenty of political talk, national, state, and local. But before we do any of it, the doctor in the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? Not a doctor. Name's Dennis. Never been a doctor. <laughs> it's the middle of the final day of the week. Ben, what are your plans this weekend? No, let me just say this. What? I have to say, my plans is to kick back. And uh, just watch more movies uh, being a weekend. <laughs> Typical Ben weekend. But I want to give a shout out to one John Gleason Teske. Yes. A.K.A. J.G.T. That's right. And John Gleason Teske is getting married in the beautiful city of Milwaukee. Yeah. All right. A.K.A. J.G.T. is getting married this weekend in Milwaukee. And guess who's going to the wedding? Wait, me. <laughs> I'm going to the wedding. Yes, indeed. I was sitting there like, wait, who is? Oh, no, it's me. I'm going. That's yeah, my good friend. He listens to the show quite a bit. Yeah. Any advice you can give JGT on the married life? 
you know what? <laughs> I've been married for how many years? I've been married now. Hold on, let me do the math, D. Okay, we're I've not been doing anything. Thirty-seven years, man. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I love marriage. Married well, how do you? How do, give him some advice to get through year one. You know, <laughs> year one's a tough one. All right, uh, JGT. I'm gonna give you a little advice. Year one is a tough one. All right, year one is sort of like what freshman biology is for all those kids who come to college thinking they want to be doctors, and then all of a sudden they take freshman biology and they're like, oh my. God, it's a lot harder than dissecting frogs. Yeah, it's tough that year one. You get through year one, boy, it's smooth sailing. All, all right. right. Be nice to your wife. You know what she'll do for you? She'll make you avocado and cheese sandwiches <laughs> every day. Nice, nice. Oh, I got a text from JGT. He's my friend. Hold on. What's it say? It says, oh, I'm scared. That's what it says. <laughs> all right. Wait, I get him excited about tomorrow, buddy. Anyway, good right. luck to you. Before yeah, we get to do all, luck. before I go to that wedding and before Ben watches a bunch of movies like he always does, we have to talk about that national news happening this mm -hmm. afternoon. Another one bites the dust. Another Donald Trump White House staff member is leaving. You've been voted off the island, Labor Secretary <laughs> oh Alex Acosta. God. Yeah. Ben, hmm. this has to be a presidential record, right? All these people who leave this administration. I haven't been keeping tab. Do you have a, a I think we're, we're in the hundreds. We okay. have to be in the hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> for real. We, yeah. For real, the hundreds. I think so. Uh, Acosta, the U.S. Labor Secretary, <laughs> under fire for having granted creep Jeffrey Epstein immunity from federal prosecution in 2008 after the billionaire was investigated for having run a child sex trafficking ring, has resigned. He gave a press conference about it or more like donald trump gave it he was there as well did most of the talking trump said acosta was a great labor secretary oh, not a good one a great one <laughs> okay but then he kind of contradicted it because trump also said uh he didn't do a great job but a very good job oh wow okay he, he what he forgot what he said at the start of the know. press conference if words mean something trump you know stay consistent the president then told reporters and believe this if you want to, guys, but I'm not gonna. Acosta called him this morning and said that it was the secretary's decision huh. to resign, yeah. not Trump's. Okay, all right. Okay, let's just deal with that one. First of all, phone calls were made. Uh, so th this, the, of the least important phone calls made were the ones that the Trump advisors made to Acosta, letting him know that Trump uh, felt it was time for him to leave because he was embarrassing the president. Although... How this president could claim that he could be embarrassed by anything. I mean, this guy's record uh, as a sexual predator is horrendous. Uh, he was pals with Epstein. Let's, let's not forget that. And uh, so I don't know why what Acosta could do to embarrass Trump on that uh, level. Uh, secondly, the more important issue, uh, and I, I hope we get to the bottom of this, who made the calls, and I'm presuming calls were made, that convinced Acosta that it was a good idea uh, to give such a, uh, an easy sentence uh, to Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, Acosta's explanation, which we talked about at length yesterday, D, remember he had that press conference two days ago mm -hmm. where he was trying to save himself with his lame explanation about uh, why he had, he tried to blame it all on the prosecutor in Miami who's a Democrat, like somehow or other the local prosecutor was fault because, you know, he, the local prosecutor, wasn't ready to go hard at Epstein. Well, you could have done it, Acosta. My belief, D, is that powerful people got to these prosecutors, and that's why I believe there is a connection to Smollett Gate here in Chicago. We've been obsessed with a far minor crime here in the city of Chicago. People are just outraged at Kim Fox because she took a phone call. We know who called Fox, all right? But we don't know who called Acosta and who called the prosecutors in New York, and it's bipartisan. So I, can exp I don't expect Republicans, usually Republicans, when it's a Republican at stake, They'll totally, you know, 
bury the evidence. They'll try to divert attention uh, to the Democratic uh, uh, problems and stuff to to avoid um, hammering hard at a Republican. Well, Republicans, it's bipartisan in this case. Epstein was pals with Bill Clinton, a big sleazoid, and uh, he was pals with Clinton and he was pals with Trump. So there's no excuse, Republicans, to bury this like you usually try to bury crimes uh, and bad behavior Republicans. So I'm hoping uh, these questions will be answered in the coming months. So get lost, Acosta, and make way for our new acting labor secretary. Why are people still taking these jobs? His name is Patrick Pazella. I know nothing about the man. <laughs> I think that's the point. Now, we can sit here and tell you all about this feller, but why bother? Because while Mr. Pazella was highly recommended by Acosta, the president made sure to highlight the acting part of his new title. According to Trump, he's already been told that he is going to be the acting labor secretary. Yeah, so. well, I think Acosta was the acting labor secretary, too. He's acting like he was a secretary who cared about labor. That's the acting part. Uh, the The Republican Party these days uh, and Donald Trump are so hostile to unions. Uh, they're big supporters of the Janus case. They want to undercut unions. Again, one more time, people. It's not that complicated. The less power unions have, the more power Republicans have, because unions generally support Democrats. It's a political uh, situation. It's a political issue issue that Republicans try to pretend there's a larger principle at stake. So uh, the labor secretaries that a Donald Trump uh, would appoint would be hostile to unions. So therefore, it's a joke. They're all acting labor secretaries. That's really funny. They're acting to care about it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Got a million of them. So Pat Pazella, the Mm. president's partial pick to pack a perfect pair of pickle peppers. Did you just come up with that? I wrote it down. Oh, okay. Save your money. Keep that Pazella pizza (laughs) parlor idea in the back burner and don't get comfy because, dude, you'll be gone in like two months. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to do a deep dive. That's you asked me what I'm going to do to the weekend. I'm going to look into this guy's past. Pazella? Pazella. The guy didn't know nothing about Acosta. I wasn't paying attention. I have to confess the confession to make. I did not pay attention when Acosta got the nomination. I was following the fight over Acosta's predecessor, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it was some Glad Republican. you were focused on that fight. He was, the guy, he was the guy who was at, no, I actually talked about it at the time. I want to say, did I have a show back then or had I already been fired? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, he was really notoriously anti-union and Trump was just blatantly anti-union by putting him up. The guy who runs uh, the hamburger chain uh, and he had to step back and they put in Acosta and I just sort of forgot about about the whole issue uh, until it cost his name emerged with the stories about how he, uh, you know, sugarcoated that uh, punishment against Epstein. And um, then I was like, well, why would a prosecutor be named a labor secretary? And turns out he, Acosta, uh, was on the National Labor Relations Board. So there was more or less, a, a, you know, a correlation there. But um, yeah, so I'm going to do a deep dive. That's what I'm going to do this weekend, D. And when I come back on Tuesday... I'll give you a full report. And he'll be fired by the time. Uh, <laughs> That's true. There'll be another guy to look into. All right, moving on here. Oh, also, uh, now Axios is reporting that President Trump is seeking to remove Don or Dan Coats as director of national intelligence. What? You know anything about him? Dan Coats, yeah, the former senator of Indiana. Okay. And uh, no deep dive needed there. Yeah, well, there's no. De- I don't understand. Um, this has caught, completely caught me off guard. Hold on while I say, how about a, how about a, you know, I know you think I know absolutely everything about everything. People are like Ben, what do you think about the X, Y, Z? Uh, I don't know why he, in particular, he's firing coats. I must confess that. 
But, um, you know, <laughs> your, your, your first point is your best point. If you take, take a job with Donald Trump, you have to walk in there with knowing that uh, one day you're most likely to get fired. All right, moving on here. So there's a new book coming out July 16th titled American Carnage. And you know how book titles work these days. There's a lot more words to follow that. American Carnage on the front lines of the Republican Civil War and the rise of President Trump. The book features candid quotes from politicians speaking on their time working with our 45th president. Former House Speaker Paul Ryan is one of those politicians. And friendly, he was not Mm. toward the president. Thanks to TheGuardian.com, we have a few Paul Ryan quotes to share with all of you. So let's do that. Once again, these quotes are from former House Speaker Paul Ryan on working with Donald Donald Trump in D.C. from the book American Carnage quotes. We've gotten so numbed by it all, not in government, but where we live our lives. We have a a responsibility to try and rebuild. Don't call a woman a horse face. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on anything. Be a good person. Set a good example. More quotes here. I told myself I've uh, I got to have a relationship with this guy talking about Donald Trump to help him get his mind right, because I'm telling you, he didn't know anything about government. (laughs) I wanted to scold him all the time. And one more quote here. Uh, This is Paul Ryan uh, in regards to working with Trump. Those of us around him really helped to stop him from making bad decisions all the time. We helped him make much better decisions, which were contrary to kind of what his knee-jerk reaction was. Now I think he's making uh, some of those knee-jerk reactions. I would love to hear what Heidi Henry has to say about this. She's very outspoken. Uh, one of the Heartland Mamas is coming in very uh, soon. Let me say this about Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House who represented a district in uh, south, southern Wisconsin. Where were you when we needed you? That's all good that you're getting these nice quotes uh, to uh, uh, for a book uh, That not, now that you're no longer in office. But the problem, my problem with the Republican parties in this particular issue is that they rolled over uh, and would not confront Donald Trump. Now, I understand they realized that their voters, that their base, was enamored with Donald Trump. And, uh, but sometimes you have to do the unpopular thing. It's the old story in Chicago with independents and reformers who have the guts to stand up to all-powerful mayors like a Daly or Emanuel. I respect them. People, voters in general, will respect them, in my opinion. And uh, so if you lose, you lose. You, had, you stepped out anyway, Paul Ryan. But if you felt that strongly about Donald Trump's character or lack thereof, you should have made that clear all along. And uh, I'm sure there's many policy issues, particularly health care. I mean, it's beyond... There, yes, there's character issues, but Donald Trump's behavior toward Obamacare, which is the one little sliver, and it's it's really flawed, but one little sliver of health care that we've emerged with over the last, what, 60 years uh, to guarantee people health care, basic health care rights, that's been under siege from by Donald Trump and Republicans for the last, what, eight years or so since, Do- since Obama uh, got it through Congress without any Republican votes. So, like, where were you there on that issue? Something, a fundamental issue that affects Americans, not blue states or red states, but every state. So I have a little trouble, uh, D, with um, Paul Ryan saying, at least, at least John McCain, when push came to shove, voted against uh, killing Obamacare. I have a little trouble with Paul Ryan suddenly coming up and emerging and finding his inner courage uh, now that he's no longer has to be a- answered to the voters. Typical behavior of a guy with a first name for a last name. No offense, Heidi Henry. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along, but we're moving right along. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else's News. 
the week when Chicago, Illinois turned into Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> oh, that's never good. That's never good, all right? We have more Gatorgate updates. Hot damn, this story is awesome. Update number one. Yes, that damn alligator is still in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. It's been in there for more than three days. And it's suspected that the alligator was likely someone's domestic pet that was released. Hey, person who allegedly dropped that alligator in the lagoon. Thanks for the awesome news story and incredible content, but you're a crazy person. Seriously, (laughs) why did you do that? (laughs) Who does that? Update number two. Uh (laughs) The city of Chicago has gone gator crazy. Uh (laughs) You can't see it, but Ben's wearing gator shoes right now. He's got them covered up. Uh He's gator. He's going gator crazy. No, apparently we have given the uh, alligator a name now. Oh, a poll went up online and it's official. He's now chance the snapper. Okay. Didn't someone who's taking credit for that? Jason McGrath, yeah, the yeah. guest on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was the one who came up with that name. Um, that was me. <laughs> no credit. <laughs> I just did a Jason McGrath impression on the show. Guys, Great impression. Come on, guys. <laughs> that was me. All right. Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, uh, oh, Benny the Bull, the Chicago yeah, Bulls mascot. Man. Go Bulls. Stop by to see, see the Gator. It's July. Probably hot as hell in that costume, but hey, whatever. Alligators. Did Zach Levine show up? Nope. Zach Levine did not show up. Did Wendell Carter Jr. show up? Nope. Did Lori Marketing show up? None of them showed up. It how was about, just the mascot. How about Joe Cowley? By the way, you can listen to my uh, interview oh, with wow. Joe Cowley. Uh, download it right now. Bulls beat writer. It's interesting stuff for you, Bulls guys. Oh, that was a shameless plug, huh? <laughs> Hey, by the way, I just want to maybe say this one more time. Lori Lightfoot, I saw you call it Gatorgate. You you stole that from me. All right? Talk about shameless. Good God. That is pretty easy. You know, put gate on the end of something. Oh, if it's so easy, why didn't anybody else think of it? (laughs) Oh, pause as he goes, how did that happen? We are pioneers (laughs) here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Trailblazers, baby. By the way, I also know that Lori Lightfoot's been singing uh, Gator Got Your Granny a lot. (laughs) Everybody said it was a shame. His mama wasn't working on a chain gang. Poke Saturday. Please stop. Please stop. (laughs) I don't know what that song is. Uh, That's Leah's favorite song by Tony Joe White. Okay. I knew it. I knew that was her favorite. Yeah. And uh, oh, the Block Club uh, Chicago Neighborhood News website. They've put out Gator Watch 2019 t-shirts. Can we give a shout out to Jen Sabella? She's been all over this story. By the way, you can download the Ben Jarofsky interview with oh, Jen Sabella. Wow. Huh? How about that? There okay. Uh, Jen Sabella's got her finger in the pulse of Chicago. And I saw on Instagram. Yeah, D, I was on social media. Instagram. Ooh. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Anyway, Jen was like selling Gator T-shirts. I'm like, why don't we ever think of stuff like that? In we the don't even. We don't have t- one T-shirt. That's uh, yeah, anyway. So we didn't think of that. Jen Zabella's selling Gator T. You know what? Good. It's. I mean, of all this, we could be talking about TIFF deals. All right. You know, I of course probably rather talk. Oh about yeah, TIFF. give it about 20 minutes. You'll be talking about that. Uh, so uh, anyway, Gator all right, T. we got more here. Uh, and update number three. <laughs> While we still don't know the last name of the gentleman who has been trying to rescue the alligator for the last three days, we now know what Alligator Bob sounds like. Oh, I do. And no, he sounds nothing like my impression. What was your impression one more time? Ah, man, that gator, man, he's slippery. (laughs) I'm going to get that sucker. You just hang tight. Hold on. Give me a six pack Miller Lite. I'm going to get this gator, all right? Damn, you damn better believe I'm going to get that thing. Sounds nothing like that. Okay. A little bummed out, honestly, by that. But uh, no. maybe if he sounded like that, he'd have caught the gator by hey, now. Gator, 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 gator. 
No, it doesn't sound anything like that. Uh, here's Alligator Bob with the latest. Sorry to disappoint, guys. This is an awfully big body of water. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. And we're talking about a needle that moves constantly. He's checked the floating traps he hand curated. Right now it's a combination of drumsticks, rats, ABC and uh, smelt. Yum. Wow. Well, as far as the gator goes, that's a pretty good offering. you got to give her credit. That was funny. Yum. Blowing the scent across the water will catch his attention. We're all speculating on, on whether he grew up in somebody's you know, bathtub or backyard or something. He's enjoying the, the five feet of water. He probably was raised in six inches. If we could find the animal, <laughs> we can capture the animal. There he was. Oh, was that Gator? Was he, was he the one who said uh, he's enjoying the five feet of water? Was that him? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. man. What a, uh, by the way, any uh, interviews with Micah in that thing? No interviews yeah. with Micah Uterich, our guest. Yeah, uh, Micah on- Uterich did guest the other day, and now he goes, Ben, I won't be able to come on the show. Uh, for about another six weeks because I have to finish my book on Bernie Sanders. I said, oh, that's cool. Meanwhile, he's at the, the lagoon. Oh, yeah. Hey, Micah, get back to work on that Bernie <laughs> Sanders book. Ben, the gator. I need a gator update. He was the one. Remember, I go, uh, how did that gator get in there in the first place? At which Micah said, duh, somebody put him in there. Like, oh, yeah, I've been watching too much Stranger Things. And I believe it's a Stranger Thing thing, man. It came in from the underground. It's a Stranger Thing thing. <laughs> man. Man. Stranger, yeah, stranger, things, stranger thing, things yet? Never. Oh, no, you don't have never. Yet. Even if I did, I wouldn't. All I watch is Trailer Park Boys. I was up late Netflix. last night. I watched the whole episode. Give me ten dollars. I won't tell you what happens. Okay, <laughs> I'm not taking your money. And finally, here uh, because it wasn't Humboldt Park, I guess eventually someone was going to put a camera and a microphone in one of these people's face. Here's a hipster. Oh, <laughs> on Gator Game. Oh, they quoted a hipster. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Uh, Boom! Oh, no. Was that Micah? <laughs> no, it's not Micah. Oh, God. He saw some catfish and some turtles. Is that what he did? Okay. Not a gator. Isn't that right, buddy? I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Oh, uh, that dude was so stoned. <laughs> Humble part. All right. So just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on locally. Yeah, that gator's still in the lagoon. All right. And now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Let me tell you something. Micah, Miles, and Ramada Hussein, our next guest, who's sitting here. What about Gator Bob? And Gator Bob. This is an awfully big body of water. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. Okay. And we're talking about a needle that moves constantly. Uh, That needle moves constantly. (laughs) (laughs) They all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We've got Ramada sitting here. We're going to be talking a lot of issues when we return. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey! Playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Dett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him, Moonlight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight, millennials. (laughs) All right, guys, can you feel it in the air? Yeah, it's summertime, but also this weekend, 
like in a few hours, Square Roots Festival. I know Ben's gonna. Are you? You're actually going, aren't you, Ben? Yep, I'm gonna be there when I'm not watching movies. I'm gonna be dancing. All right. Well, you listen closer. Stop dancing and listen closer, all right? Because okay. this is what you're in for. Mm-hmm. It's almost time for Lincoln Square Summer Party. Ben's going to it. Join us for a truly local festival featuring neighborhood food. What what food you hope is gonna be there? Chicken. Okay. <laughs> One. <laughs> Fried chicken, man. I was, He's a simple I was man. salivating when uh, Alligator Bob was talking about that drumstick he put out there. Okay, I, I would dive into a lagoon for that drumstick. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Featuring neighborhood food and regional craft beer. I know you don't drink beer, Ben. It's cool. As well as unique and exciting market vendors, while over fifty bands and artists from around the world entertain on four stages. No, Ben will not be on <laughs> any of those stages. You're welcome. Your donations support Lincoln Square Ravenswood Chamber of Commerce free concerts and farmers markets and old town school of folk music's financial aid programs and outreach programming people it's happening this weekend it, they're setting up right now to party square roots festival july 12th today 13th and 14th all this weekend at lincoln square ben what day are you going uh every day every day yeah. look for ben jarofsky <laughs> just look for the guy in a bull's hat yeah. welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times all right thank you very much steve ben jarofsky here romano saying in the studio editor of the chicago sun times every friday she comes on the show we, we do the romano rundown and have a whole list of things to talk about important issues of the day uh, romano has already announced to me that she doesn't uh, really relish talking about the alligator but uh i have to ask you some alligator questions. I, I can talk about it i'm just i just think it's a story and it's a fun story do i think it's watergate no i'm sure somebody will call it water gator or something but you know, gator um, gate. <laughs> somebody did mention that yeah. a couple days ago but gate we heard someone from across the room in the copy desk say something about gatorade but i just think <laughs> like I mean, it's a story. Slow news week. That's what I was <laughs> telling Ben. It's a story. And I think people, I guess some people are telling me, well, you know, people think it's fun. And I'm not saying it's not. It, sh- it should be a story. But do we need to send like the whole Chicago media all right, well, let me ask over you there this. To do, you know, I'm someone that went to India with my parents a lot in the, you know, summers and me and my siblings. And it's like an animal in a body of the water. <laughs> Is that really a news story? I don't know. I think it's a very first world thing. And it's like, it's kind of sad because it's like the alligator just didn't show up there. We all know it's because someone had a pet and then was too stupid to realize <laughs> it can actually grow. And then they put it in the, you know in the lagoon yeah it's sad you know it's like people do this all the time this isn't the first time we've done a story like this it's just the first time we're going haywire over a story like this uh well all right and they can't they can't catch the alligator so okay let me ask you this so uh this has been on my mind i've 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 never uh, worked for a newspaper uh, above the level of uh uh, reporter so i've never actually gotten to sit on an editorial meeting i've never actually seen you can it. you can come and sit come and, and, sit, come and sit with us and see how exciting it so, is it okay. really isn't so but. i've seen uh, watching stranger things uh this weekend uh this week and then there's scenes in stranger Things. i don't want to give it away season oh, three you're talking about the male reporters yeah, the, well, the male there's the the editorial editors sit around and they the, what's the news to, uh, and they you know we should do this story we should do that story and then i saw you know i see movies i've I've seen it like with the like all the president's men where they sit around. What are we going to cover this and that? So give us a little insight at the Sun-Times editors meetings. Are they like going, we got to get send out Mark Brown to cover Gator Gator. Like, how does it work? Well, I when I do watch those, when I did watch that scene, I remember turning 
looking over to make it go, oh, badly dressed male reporters. That's not something I haven't seen. I was, wasn't joking. It's true. Um, but usually, I mean, I, I think newsrooms back then probably did were all white males mm-hmm. and they still predominantly are Wait, white aren't males. Aren't they editors? Aren't those guys the editors? Yeah, it's like the editors that, sitting yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we do that too. But it's kind of funny that we were mentioning that because yesterday we, we were joking about how all the guys were at one end of the table and all the women were the other. At the, at end the editorial meeting? Yeah, but no, but it's just that we just, I guess we just self-segregate. But there is usually an editor. She was gone yesterday and she usually sits, breaks up the males. But um it's it it is uh it it's a little different um it's you know obviously it's you know they probably make it a little more entertaining than it is and we know we had an int- we had an intern sit with us a couple of days ago which shows you that you can come in and sit down <laughs> even i can and, and well, does but it's, ever- we do talk about we go over what's on the budget for the day because we have a budget that we start off and all the editors kind of add stories that their report the reporters they edit are are working on and so we kind of go over all the stories and then we decide what's going to be on page one and what we're, stories we're going to refer. And refer is like the smaller mm-hmm. little stories that we have with pictures. So we kind of go over that. And then, you know, sometimes there's arguments as to whether or not a certain story is important to be on page one. Or, you know, the alligator story, for example, I know on day two or the day before, we were, uh, one of the copy editors are, is like, you know, putting the alligator story on page one again. Didn't we already do this? And um, well, Were you there the was joy in the room. No, I, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I just said that I'm I'm kind of sick of the story. I've told that to the reporters, and I know reporters who had got sent out on the scene, and they even said, "Oh, am I an alligator?" Well, the young reporter who was covering it yesterday, last yeah. night, he he asked, he saw me, and he's like, "Were you in the meeting? Do I have to do I have to do alligator watch?" I'm like, "Yeah, you probably do." But uh, we have two interns out there today. Okay. Um, just to show you that we're all, you know, because one, you know, a couple media outlets are doing this. Everybody's, and it's getting a lot of hits, you know, of yeah. course we got to cover it too. But, you know, you sit around and you talk about, and then the discussion was that our photographer, Ashley Rezin, who's really great, she got a really good picture of the alligator and, there, you With know. the duck. Yeah. Oh my so, God, that yeah. was a great, and that yeah. was on the front page. Yeah, of the so that's time. why that's why the argument was made. Well, you know, Ashley got this great shot, so it would be great to have it, you know, on the on another day. And obviously, you know, the Sun Times has always been one of those papers. You know, it's, I guess because it's a tabloid front page, you and you want to capture people. And I guess this is really capturing the audience in Chicago. So, well, so I, you know, so that's how the meetings are usually. Sometimes they're, you know, we go off on um, tangents and make jokes. Um, there are some people who are pretty funny in that room. All right. Well, I have to say this, um, and I have to make a concession to the Tribune. <clears throat> and it kind of kills me to say it. We did it yesterday, but remember, D, we're, we compare headlines. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally, the Sun-Times uh, annihilates the Tribune when it comes to clever headlines. But yesterday, I had to concede that the Tribune's headline was cl- it was pretty clever. What was it again, man? I, I sent it to you. Uh, I, yeah, you I, did. It, it no, a, you didn't send me the headline. You uh, just said that. Wait. It was the headline that I said. It was a, tw- uh, a text. But anyway, the Sun-Times was gazer, uh, gator gazers because the story was about people who came to look at uh, the alligator. I think catch the Tribune's, you later gator. Catch you yeah. later gator. I was like, oh, man, the Tribune thought of that? There are a lot of former Sun-Times people who work at the Tribune. Okay. I should mention that. Uh, it's those people. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's like, the old Sun-Times yeah. guy. But I know. Let me, let I, me I just mean, say this. come up with good headlines. Oh, yeah, sometimes. well, they're back to Snoozeville today. I'm just yeah. going to tell you, Ramona. Humboldt Park Lagoon Gator evades capture for third day. 
Oh, there you go. That must have been the old Tribune guy right in that story. The Sun-Times guy had the day off. Uh, what, what was the headline in today's bright one? Ben wants to be the headline guy so bad. No, no, I'm a terrible he- I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh-oh. My headlines are terrible. Nowadays at the reader, I, I write my own headlines and they're awful. God, <laughs> I mean, I make the Tribune guy look clever. <laughs> I mean, there's guys uh, and and women in the um, newsroom. They just come up with them oh, really here quick. We go. It here's, takes me time. Here's the bright one. This one is this. All right, sorry, Tribune. We're back Gator to- Gator crashers. Gator. They, Benny the Bull showed up. Uh, at the, at, and so the headline is- Gator Crasher. Get it? Gate Crasher? Gator. Oh. Yeah, my beloved bright one. We're back to Yeah, her. and so people do throw out um, words like that. Like, you know, some people just come up with it really quick. I It takes me... I've come up with headlines before, but not like those. Like, some people are just really good at it. And it's... Um, there's like two or three people in the, in the newsroom. I mean, in the editor's meeting who just like kind of come yeah, up with it. Yeah, Sometimes stuff. it all of us are just sitting around thinking about it and they're like, well, we'll come up with something. And the copy desk guys, if they don't get it right away or if the, you know, headline doesn't come up right away. They they usually get. If you guys are ever in a bind or a pinch, we're always here. Come yeah, on by. We'll trust yeah. me. You don't want we'll, me going we'll, anywhere near I'll a headline. Know, but we'll, we'll think of something. You guys are both welcome to come. <laughs> I will send Dennis to help out with the headlines. Yeah, I think I'd be good at that. All right, let's switch on uh, to the topic that I've been wanting to talk to you about all week. I pass you in the hallway and I go, I got to ask you about this. And uh, this is no joke. Jeffrey Epstein, yeah, uh, the sleazoid uh, who got a pass from two different jurisdictions. Romana, I sent, I don't know if I sent you the story. I meant to send it if I didn't. Everybody knows about what happened, what went down in Florida with Acosta, the former uh, uh, U.S. Labor. Well, he's former well, labor former, secretary. He, he was a prosecutor. Well, he's then. not resigning yet, but he's going to be resigning. No, we, right? we broke the news. He stepped, they had he a did. press conference. Yeah. I know they had a press conference with Trump, but I didn't know he stepped down yeah, immediately. Stepped. I thought he said he was going to. All right, so he uh, you know gave him a light sentence, but then there was a hearing in New York in 2011. We talked about this yesterday, where uh, the Cyrus Vance's office, who's the district attorney in New York, sent a, a prosecutor to argue that Epstein not have the highest um, r- ranking or rating for being oh, a sexual sex offender. offender. Yeah. And she was actually arguing that for leniency, which is so bizarre. The, the prosecutors are generally the ones who are throwing the book at people. Uh, and then let's contrast that uh, to Smollett and how the Justice Smollett story. Everybody in Chicago is fixated on that story because Kim Fox, the prosecutor, took a phone call mm-hmm. from uh, some unnamed relative of Jesse Smollett. Yeah. So everybody's assuming that she pulled her punch as a result of that phone call. I have to believe that somebody was calling prosecutors on behalf of Epstein in both New York and Florida. I mean, this this case is just, I don't know, it's the allegations are disgusting. And the fact that, you know, I, I think they said in New York, he, you know, he's a sex offender. So he has to check in with the NYPD regularly yeah. and he didn't have to do that. And I just, I, that's what um, I've seen in reports. And I find that appalling. Like if someone's convicted in a sex crime and, and, and under the deal that was made with Acosta, he didn't have to, he didn't get charged with the federal crime. He served, and then he served like 13 months in yeah. prison. And then I think at the, in, um, Palm Beach, Florida, he was in a special section of the jail. I just feel like this case with Kim, the Jesse Smollett case, first of all, I just want to clarify, I think they're completely different cases because the Jesse Smollett case, although it is about Jesse Smollett in the end, it's about the crime itself is the 
is nowhere near as the allegations against Jeffrey Epstein and the and the crimes that he committed that he's been convicted of. Um, and then with that, with the Kim Fox, it's like what impropriety happened at the top level. Not that much. I mean, people do care about what Jesse Smollett did, but, you know, calling in disorderly conduct at the end of the day isn't the crime of the century. Yeah. Now, this crime is just it's just mind boggling you know, just this, the things he was able to get away with. I don't know if you've read, you know, interviews by the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, this young woman said that she was accosted um, by, I, I think, when a woman that Epstein knew, and she basically, it was like this pyramid scheme, like this sex trafficking pyramid scheme, because I think he'd get these young girls to get more girls. And this young woman said that she was accosted when she was uh, 15. Yeah. And I think she said that uh, she was raped by Jeffrey Epstein at 15. And she said he knew exactly what he was doing. I read elsewhere that there was a young woman, I think Epstein was at her birthday party when she turned 16. And he was like, he made some sort of joke about how she was getting older. And these allegations, I just think are so disgusting. And it felt like there, I feel like there are so many people who enabled him, Mm -hmm. including, I guess he had this social London slash New York socialite friend, this woman, which I just think it's these allegations are so disgusting. And I think, I mean, he's friends with Bill Clinton yeah. and Donald Trump. And, Donald and Trump. you have to wonder like, how, how could they not know that this was happening? They, they seem to have hung around with him well, enough. In the case and, of Donald Trump, he did know. Yeah. Because he made that comment yeah. about how, Oh, he's like me. And he likes hanging out with beautiful women, really young women yeah. or something. I don't know. I just find it so appalling. And I think for years, this kind of behavior was accepted. I mean, I know we talked about Woody Allen before, but I never watched Manhattan. But isn't that like he has a 16 year old girlfriend? And let's face it, everybody's everybody always tells me how what a great movie that is. And I'm like, isn't that the one where he has a 16 year old girlfriend? Like, why didn't anybody think that was crazy back then? Yeah. Like, was it considered normal? That's what I'm just saying. Like, was this normal for a 40 year old, 40 something year old guy to be? I, I actually it, I'm old enough to have seen the movie and I. I, I I got to tell you, I went through this phase where I really like Annie. We're now doing Woody Allen Gate, but I, I uh, Woody, I loved Annie Hall, and Manhattan came right after Annie Hall, so I eagerly went to see Manhattan, and I, I found that really weird that with Muriel so you did, Hemingway, right? yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is not, I don't, it was, this is weird. Was that normal? That's what I'm saying. Like, was that considered normal? Because I mean, people like who say that Woody Allen, like they try to separate his crimes or what his allegations of his crimes are from. You know his movies they always tell me they're like oh but manhattan's great but i'm just like that's just no. so skeevy i don't know i just find that i, appalling. I, have, a lot, I have a lot of issues no i manhattan i can't i couldn't watch it more than once and um listen this is an issue in a lot of movies no now and, we're on a tangent here but of course uh, they generally the male oh yeah, lead he's a, yeah. is much older yeah than the his female love yeah interest. and and i'm saying that this i'm not saying that this is the first time it's happened i mean we talked we're going to might be talking about R. Kelly. So this is something that's been happening for centuries, probably since the beginning of time. But I think a lot of people do turn a blind eye to it. Or they're, I don't know. I don't know if men think this is something that's so wonderful. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's just so disgusting, like that you could get away with something like that. Well, and it's because I don't know if it's because with the wealth or, you know, in this particular case, and I have no proof of this, I just have my gut feeling. That there was someone top. Some powerful people intervened on behalf of Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. I believe that most prosecutors, 
if you just ask them individually what they thought about Jeffrey Epstein's behavior, they would not say, well, Woody Allen did it in Manhattan. No, no, no. I'm not no I know you're not, not saying, saying that, saying but it, I'm, yeah. saying, I'm saying they would find it unacceptable. Yeah. But they acted differently. They behaved differently uh, in this case. They treated it differently. They gave him leniency that they yeah. wouldn't give anybody else. And Romano, when I see that, the fr- maybe I've been covering Chicago politics. Who do you long. think it my, was? Like, if you had to guess. If I had to guess? Yeah. My guess would have the initials BC. Yeah, I was going to say. Or DT. Or both. <laughs> uh, but I, I, that's my guess. Those two names, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, and, are linked to this case. And I do believe we should have an investigation. If we're, No, we're, I agree. The reason I keep bringing up Smollettgate is like, we're so fixated and focused on this misdemeanor. That's and, just people in Chicago. Donald that, Trump tweets about it. I, well, that's Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the president is someone that you should use as an example about being fixated on things. But I know we... The thing is, I think with Smollettgate, we're the people who are asking questions and aren't just going out to on a witch hunt on Kim Fox. They just want to know the answers and some count accountability, which I think is needed in the Epstein case, too. I don't think it's just a problem involving him because this guy hasn't had an island. Bill Clinton went on his plane several times and you have a plane called Lolita or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I, I think anybody that is connected to this. I think they need to investigate more and dig deeper. And I don't know, maybe they won't dig deeper well, that's what I was because there's you. people on top still. Donald Trump, the president, who was friends with this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can make a quick call. There, there was a movie, this is before your time in the 80s. I think it's called Personal Services. It's, it's sort of a dark comedy. Uh, and was uh, in it? You know, I can't remember. It was, oh, Julie Waters was in it. It was a, a Walters, I think her name is. It's a 1980s British comedy uh, directed, I can't believe I know, still remember this, by one of the members of Monty Python. But the premises in there is there's a madam who uh, has a, uh, a brothel in London that many um, powerful men uh, visit. And uh, the culminating scene, I'll give it away, everybody, because you're never going to see it. it. You never see it is when uh, there's a court case and her uh, she's battling for her life at this court case. And you look up and the judge who's deciding the matter. You recognize him as one of the uh, visitors to the brothel and she wins. Okay, so that's a comedy from the 80s. A, a, a black comedy, a dark comedy from the 80s. So my guess is there were powerful people involved uh, and they protected Jeffrey Epstein. I, that's just my guess. I, I I probably am with you on this one. I, I mean, I shouldn't say probably. I am with you on this one. I think there's more to the story. And I think everybody affiliated with this, anybody who enabled him, if, you know, I mean, he's obviously a convicted sex offenders, but with the new allegations, I think... I think everybody needs to be investigated. Do you think that we're, we're going to get uh, to the bottom of this? Or do you think there's once more time to pull punches? <laughs> I'm sure I'm. we probably may not yeah. ever know. You know, there might be some people who are connected in some way, but very powerful names. I bet they'll evade any sort of responsibility if, in fact, there are really powerful people Well, involved. the reason I, bring, I keep re- relating it to Smollett Gate is if we're going to take the deep dive, have three separate investigations of what Kim Fox knew and when did she know it on Smollett Gate? I want to see that yeah, same thing. No, I agree. I think there needs to be more. I, I, I think I even said to someone the other day, I think um, I thought it was surprising that the spe- uh, the judge that was appointed to investigate whether we need a special prosecutor when the 
county government was already looking into it. I was like, I thought it would be, you know, another one. I don't know if we need one. Well, I think we just need one investigation. Yeah. In it. I think everybody would be satisfied. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I agree with you. Yeah, I think but, you actually said that on this show to me. You were talking yeah, about that. the inspector general. I think it's Blanchard is yeah, his name. Patrick Blanchard. He's investigating him, and now there's a going to be a, um, a special prosecutor investigating uh, uh, Smollett Gate. So hey, let's hope we have two investigations uh, into uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. I kind of doubt that we're going to get that, but maybe I'll be wrong in this one. Um, all right, let's go move on. You you mentioned R. Kelly. Uh, yeah. Speaking of um, bad behavior by men, the latest story breaking. Uh, he's been indicted by the feds and turns out he was trying to buy off the family of the his accuser. That's what um, that's from the 2008 um, mm-hmm. criminal criminal trial. He actually was um, walking his dog yesterday and he was, I think, apprehended while walking his dog. And he's been charged in a federal case now. As we know, in 2008, he was con- um, charged with um, the, you know, having sex with a minor, raping a young woman, uh a young, shouldn't even say woman, girl, and uh, he ended up being acquitted in that case. Now we, he's currently being charged in four separate cases on on the county side at 26 and Cal. But now there's a federal indictment, mm-hmm. and he's actually up. He probably was up in court a few minutes ago, 1:45 for his uh, bond hearing. But yeah, that's happening right now, and uh, his two people in his entourage were also charged because supposedly there was. Um, videotaped evidence prosecutors saying there were videotapes evidence of him raping young girls and those tapes disappeared at some point so these guys um the two men that were charged along with him his co-defendants in this federal case had paid several thousand dollars to get those videotapes back Mm. so r kelly has more legal troubles as speaking but i don't uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you, co- you did you cover the R. Kelly trial? You know what? I got assigned to 26 in California in 2008, like just a few months after he was acquitted. But I did some of the, I did some, I did help the criminal courts reporter back then. Mm-hmm. I remember going to some preliminary hearings involving R. Kelly. So I remember seeing him, but I, n- I never was at the trial, but I remember going to the home of one of the jurors. We're all sent at that time. We had enough reporters to go chase jurors. Yeah. Like, and so we had one person, <laughs> Per juror, and I remember going like it was a really far suburb. I forgot where, but I kind of just sat outside the house. Wait, and waited. Out, there were so many reporters that <laughs> there are twelve jurors and well, there were twelve the, reporters. The names that we got, they they sent me to one bird. They got names. I think they had names of most of them, but they gave me a name, and they I went out and I just sat outside. The person never showed up, and I just sat outside and read a magazine and waited for the person to show up and they never did they never showed up i was saying that was when we had uh more personnel what would you have done now i've never been given that assignment that's a that's a tough assignment you never had to stake out any Uh, no never to stake out a juror yeah so juries aren't they supposed to be confidential or or Uh, you know at 26 and cal they've given names out um i've covered cases um where the subject matter was sensitive like i did um the Mumbai terrorist attacks. I covered that trial in federal court, and because of the sensitivity of the matter, the names of the jurors were never released. There's also different ways we can find out as reporters. Um, if we find out where certain jurors are parked, we get their license plate numbers, and we've done that before. Um, I, w- I, I. Almost <laughs> sometimes reporters. Not just us. A lot of uh, you know. There was days where you know I was the only reporter, and the Tribune had three people there, like while I was covering high-profile trials. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I, 
you know why those reporters are there. Like while the re- other reporter, the you know the beat reporters covering the case, those other reporters from the Tribune are like l- trying to find out where these guys are parked. Or sometimes though, um, jurors are brought in a bus from a different location and they're taken away. But um, there's been sheriff's deputies who've helped me out or told me they'll let me know when where X and X is parked. I'm not going to say names, give uh. names, but I'm, nobody's. But I've, I've always been able to figure it out. And then there's some cases like you know. I chase jurors, you know, because you see them leaving at the end of the day. If you stay till the end of a trial and, you know, the verdict comes down and you're writing your story really quick and you sometimes stand there waiting for family members of either the, you know, the, the victim or the suspect, then you'll see like a group of people being let out and you are like, you recognize the faces from covering the trial. And at that point, you know, the trial's over. So you can try to, they're fair game. But a lot of times they won't talk so to you. Kind of yeah. Them. So when you, what's the approach? Give give us a sense of what the approach. is. here you are. You're the reporter. So you just it, go hi yeah. hi so and so, or you just hi ma'am, hi you know hi Mister or whatever that person's name is, and then you ask them like you know Do you I, tell them who you are. Yeah, I always I always tell I. It's very unethical just to pretend that you're not a reporter. Yeah. I always say I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm with the Sun-Times. And one of the things I should tell you is when I first started off as a journalist, I worked at City News Bureau. And I remember I was at the police station. I'd call people and go, hi, my name is Ramana Hussein. I'm a reporter with City News Bureau. And then these cops pulled me aside and they go, I know you're trying to do your job, but you shouldn't even use that word reporter. Just say you're with City News Bureau because... People hear that word reporter and they're not going to talk to you. You can just say, I'm Ramana and I'm with the Sun-Times. He goes, people hear reporter and they freak out. Wow. He could, they go, we can tell you as cops, just don't use that word. So ever, they kind of gave me that tip. <laughs> they just said that people will be willing to talk to you more if you don't even mention that word. So now when I call, I've always said, you know, this is Ramana Hussein, I'm with the Sun-Times. Has, has I don't any, say I'm a reporter with the Sun-Times. I say I'm with the Sun-Times. With the su- Sun-Times. That was a tip I got from Yeah, cops. that's a cop give, give you good advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so has you, have you ever had an instance where uh, a juror that you went up to said, you know, you were, you've got no business asking me. Yeah, of course. Well, we have people saying that all the time, especially when you're covering criminal courts. Like, what are you doing? Why are you covering this? I mean, I've had defense attorneys yell at me because I wrote about the suspects past crimes in the paper. They're like, that's not I'm like, well, it's public record. And, you know, I've had judges yell at me doing a story about a trial that's happening. One judge yelled at me and said, you're not supposed to be writing a story until after the trial's done. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> what ju- Where's that judge I'm not, from? I'm, I, I'm not going to say the name of the judge until after, but um, I remember, I, and then he like saw me uh, then afterwards, he's like, well, I go, that's not true. He, I go, I've written stories all the time about, so, I mean, people yell at you all the time. That's I so mean, funny. You're not supposed to write a story about. It's like, you aren't supposed to write a story until the trial's over. And I'm like, what? And he yelled at me from the bench. In front of everybody. Yeah. Do you think he actually believed that? I mean, has he never seen no, a newspaper? No, I, I, think, I think he was sensitive about the case, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, people always come up to you and, you know, you, you have to do that. I remember the first time I had to call someone whose child was a victim of a crime and it was actually a really sad story. I was so scared, yeah. but now I'm not anymore. I mean, I just know that you have to be polite to people. And when I do approach people, I try to be as, as polite as possible. I said, you know, we just want to know your thoughts on the trial and how you came up with the verdict when you're talking to jurors. And you just try to be as polite as possible. Even if people yell at you, you just have to be like, hey, I'm just trying to do my job. And a lot of times people do understand. But yeah, we get yelled at all the time. Um, Going back to to, uh, Kelly, the R. Kelly uh, case versus the Jeffrey Epstein case. uh, My sense of it is that uh, R. Kelly got off way back when. Uh, largely because he was a celebrity, he had money, he could hire a good uh, lawyer. Uh, 
I don't have the feeling, and correct me if you uh, feel differently, that he had somebody powerful intervening behind the scenes. I have that sense with Epstein. No, and I'm sorry, you did mention in this indictment that came out, there is that portion where it said that he pressured. Yeah. The girl's family. Yeah. Sorry, you talked about it and then yeah. I went off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there was anybody, there was no allegations or, you know, thought of whether, you know, somebody from higher on top. But I think with the R. Kelly thing, I think there was a lot of social commentary with his case because, you know, he's an African-American man and a lot of people in the African-American community felt like, you know, this is just people trying to bring down an, an, an Af- success, successful African-American man. And then there was a lot of pushback from, you know, certain, you know, Mary Mitchell wrote about this and other um, African-American writers wrote, wrote about like, well, what about the African-American female victims? They were mostly African-American female victims. And I don't know if you saw the, um, did you watch the documentary? No, not watched it yet. Which is interesting because, you know, Jim DeRogatis, had and Abdon Palish and other reporters, Mary Mitchell had written ad nauseum yeah. about this case. And that's why I'm saying there was this cultural, I think people are just saying like, you know, but then when they had this documentary, you had the faces of the victims and the people talking about what happened, these women talking about what happened to them. Yeah. And so that kind of changed everything. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. And then they mentioned a couple people on the documentary were mentioning that if these victims were young white girls, they think R. Kelly would have been convicted in back then. Yeah. So even, it's uh, even in 2008, 2008. Yeah. So, so much has changed. Uh, Ramana, uh, just attitudes have changed and, and we live through the changes. So we kind of, we don't really take, have that moment to reflect on them, but I've been talking obsessively about uh, stranger things, uh, but there are scenes in stranger things where the, the young one, this young uh, girl is working for as an intern, a summer intern for the yeah. newspaper is being treated uh, dismissively. And it's, you could tell that this was seen was written from the perspective <laughs> of somebody who's in living 2019. The, 2019. Well, that's why I find it really funny because it's like, they're like pound. I, I, I like it. I like stranger things. And the first two episodes for this season kind of started off slow for me yeah and i just thought it was like oh god it's 80s overkill and i'm around the same That's age generation. this is my generation and i was oh, like okay you're those kids age uh, yeah you exactly on that bicycle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was a lot gawkier i'm like these kids are too old now the problem is when you watch the first show the, the especially the boys they look yeah. cute in their like little like 10 year old outfits now they they look like they're too big for the clothes they're wearing yeah. i'm like <laughs> i don't think they should be i don't think guys dress like that they made i know those guys are supposed to be the dorky kids yeah. but it's like they're kind of like they're sh- they're like their legs are too long for their shorts it's just kind of funny you got it, it, they look like little kids now they're like you know in that like awkward growing face but it's like i felt like eight when you were growing up in the 80s it wasn't like you were talking about 80s pop culture all the time yeah. which is what they're showing on the show and it's like pounding you over the head and it's definitely aimed towards people of my generation but then it's like there's definitely parts in the show where i'm like yeah no guy in the 80s would have like picked up on like oh this is a me too incident so like or like women aren't getting respected and it was probably discussed but i just thought i thought the boyfriend was too understanding when she goes oh you don't understand what i'm going through and he's in the beginning he didn't but then he's like yeah i yeah. was wrong 
All right, we're not going to give uh, spoilers <laughs> no, uh, no. on the show, but I, I, I got to tell you, I, I was up late last night. I watched the whole thing. I'm done I have with season about three. Almost one and a half left. All right, now uh, every every week you come on the show and we uh, you acknowledge you confess uh, that you're a Cub fan, that your brother has season tickets, or they're in the family. I don't know who controls yes. them, uh, and. Um, uh, and so uh, you you maintain your loyalty to the team, uh, uh, and then every week it seems like the, the Ricketts uh, do something that would uh, strain your loyalty. The latest uh, I'll probably be writing about this because it merges so many of my interests has to do with this property tax scam mm-hmm. uh, by Todd Ricketts, who is one of the co- the owners of the team uh, with his property. I think it's in Wilmette, yeah. North Shore suburb. And uh, so uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So apparently uh, Todd Ricketts, who's the finance chair of the Republican Party. In addition to owning the cars. Yes. yes. Um, he basically had um, a custom built mansion mm-hmm. built in 2010. And I, I guess they bought two properties in Omet, two smaller properties and made a big mansion on top of it. And it turns out that he's only paying property taxes for I think one of the homes, well, what the value of that original home was back then. And I, I mean, that house is still expensive. It's like, was it like 900 something or it would have been. And so he was paying like maybe 22,000 and he should have been paying it, But with the new house and the, you know, the man, the mansion, mm-hmm. it should have been like 30,000. Yeah. That's what the calculations are. And according to, and, and, and the Tribune is the one I think that broke the story. Got to give them credit. We have to give, we have to give credit. Um, and so basically now the assessor's office and the border review, I think are investigating and they're saying that they, I think when you, when you do, my mom had, um, the house that I grew up in totally got rehabbed. So we had to tell, you know, our, the village, and then, you know, you have to tell the assessor's office because then the taxes go up because mm-hmm. it's upgraded. Right. It's and more so valuable, the property. I think the assessor's office said that they were never informed. Mm-hmm. And Todd Ricketts, Ricketts said that um, my lawyer handled all this. Uh, <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> that's what that I, lawyer under I the bus. I think that's what the yeah. story said. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and I, I, I don't know that much about, I haven't had many mansions built. So <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the um, protocol is, but I, I think I read somewhere that that can happen sometimes, but I don't know. I think it said that they did alert, you know, they had to tell the village that they're doing this. Yeah. And I don't know, I think, the property owner has to tell the assessor's office, from what I understand. Uh, yeah, There's, all right, come on so now. He, You're being way too easy. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that he didn't. I'm just saying uh, that yeah. he said that his lawyer yeah. was responsible or he all had a lawyer handle fans. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not. But, you know, the other Ricketts brother lives in Womad too. Which, oh, uh, the, Tom, Tom, the supposedly nice Ricketts. Yeah. The nice, like, the nice like one, the, the, the nice, nice cuddly Ricketts. one. Cause you know, my brother lives in one met too. I did not so, know yeah, that. So the they were, fa- yeah, but, they hang out together. No, no. My, but when my brother, when this whole thing happened about the Islamophobic emails came out, Todd Ricketts did, I mean, Tom Ricketts reached out to my brother. Yes. I knew so, that. Yeah. So my brother, he talked to my brother and you know, he was saying that his father isn't a racist. And then they started talking about WMAT schools because the term, I mean, my brother, my brother lives in a more modest house okay. in WMAT. He doesn't uh, live he in He lives on the, uh, the, he rough lives on the, side poor, the rough side <laughs> The other side of the tracks in WMAT. Uh, no, here's my, here's my attitude. No, no, no. I, I do. I do think like, I, I just feel like when you have so much money, because I think the other um, property tax owners have to bear the brunt of what Absolutely. he's not paying. So it's terrible. We all and, do. And, you know, he's world. obviously someone that can afford it. Yeah. He's not like he's someone who's like 
Well, this is the same. It's, it's, it's a similar thing with J.B. Pritzker. So uh, J.B. Pritzker with the toilet gate. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's people who uh, clearly understand how the system works and what they have to do uh, to take advantages uh, of the system so they pay less in taxes. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, the less they pay in taxes, the more everybody else pays yeah. in taxes uh, on some fractional level because we have to compensate for the money that the taxing bodies aren't getting from them. Yeah. And uh, and it's not, like I said, it's chump change for him. Right. I so is, has this finally think. tipped it and now you're going to be a Sox fan? I'm never going to be a Sox fan, but I should tell you that I had tickets for Monday's game and I'm giving it to a Sox fan. Oh, so okay. So wait, wait, wait mon- you mean the Monday game coming up on Monday? Okay. I had tickets for Monday's oh. game. All right. So before we let you go, we got to get a recommendation from you. I know you have a big recommendation. <laughs> we again passed each other in the hallway. <laughs> we both love this movie. Tell everybody the movie they have to run, don't walk to see. I watched yesterday last week, uh-huh. and I have to preface this with saying I'm a Beatles fan, and that was one of the first bands me and my older sister discovered, because when they had UHF, I'm dating myself, um, me and my sister, it, we turned on the TV, and there was a Beatles cartoon, and so yesterday is a movie about this guy who, uh, you know, the, elect- the electricity all over the world, there's like a big fuse, and everybody forgets certain things, including the Beatles, that they existed. And so he kind of is like this struggling musician and he starts singing their songs. And becomes- He's the only man in the world who remembers the Beatles. For some fluke reason. Well, I'm oh. not gonna. I'm not gonna give anything Ooh. away. Spoiler but anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think the critics, the critics were thought it was like an eh, uh, average movie, but just word of mouth, like. I people are like no it's actually kind of fun and that's what it is it's fun you suspend your imagination and you go and watch it and it it was fun and like I said I like the Beatles so I don't know maybe if it was someone else I wouldn't be as excited but there's a lot of jokes about the Beatles and I thought it was I thought it was funny if you like the Beatles you'll like it and you know it's obviously like I know some critics are saying that there's like actually no Beatles music and I'm like well that's the point it's like this guy has to sing it on his own and he kind of like makes a song (laughs) songs a little different said that yeah, I read that somewhere. They're like, oh, it's a karaoke movie. And it is kind of. But at the same time, it it, it has its charm. And, you know, when I saw the movie, my uh, sibling, two of my siblings saw it with a friend. And they told me that I was they told me they liked it. So I was like, OK, maybe I, I want to go see it. Yeah. I'm like, I want to, you know, see a movie. I want to see it. I wanted to see one since I saw the trailers and I saw it. And people after we're done watching it, people clapped. And then there was this older wow. woman singing Hey Jude in the bathroom when I was going to the bathroom. And so I'm just saying like and then my younger sister I was telling her, I'm like, you know, people actually clapped. And she goes, no, they did the same thing when they saw it. Yeah. They saw the movie. They said people were clapping. So it's kind of like a fun, feel good movie. And it's actually, you know, it's making a lot more money than they anticipated. Yeah. Well, I uh, once again, I have to disagree with most of the critics. Uh, they didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. They didn't like yesterday. I loved yesterday. I am with Ramana 100 percent on yesterday. Uh, uh, run. Don't walk to see it. Uh, but if you do not like the Beatles. Don't bother. Don't waste your time. Yeah, some people hate the. I know yeah, it's not cool to. I know it's not cool to like the Beatles, but I I've always liked the Beatles. Love right. the Beatles. Now let's all sing yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Wow, man. You know, actually, oh. they didn't they didn't play that. And that was one of the songs. I don't think he ever... No, no, he did uh, sing it. No, 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 you're right. Nin, no, 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 you're right. Oh, I guess there's... That was a huge scene No, no, you're right. You're right. That was the first scene. I should Spoiler alert. But they did have the Beatles playing at the end. 
they, they had Hey Jude yes, playing at the they end. Did. Very during good. The, um, Love that song, Hey Jude. So I, I liked it. And, you know, I thought that scene, everybody was talking about that one scene that had him choked up. There's a lot of scenes in the movie Heavy Chalk, but I'm a. But you know guy. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was choked up at the end of Stranger Things. What can I tell you, man? I got some issues. By the monster? Did uh, the monster make you cry? I cannot tell you how it ends because I don't want to be one of those guys that does the spoilers. Oh, okay? the monster made him cry. Yeah. I kind of like the monster. Anyway, Ramana, thanks so much for coming thanks. on. As always, it's the Ramana Rundown every Friday in the Ben Jarofsky Show. And uh, what movie are you going to see this weekend? Um, You know, I wanted to see The Farewell with Aquafina. But yeah. I don't think it's out yet. Only in New- again, we, they treat us like we're dumb in New York, New right? York, LA. But Chicago's it's gotten just- it's gotten like four star reviews, and um, I really liked Aquafina's performance in Crazy Rich Asian. She was the friend. Yeah. And this movie is supposed to be excellent, and it's based on the director's experiences with her own grandma. Yeah, I want to see that movie too. Every time I see it, speaking it like tears well up. The the, the commercial, I mean, when I see the preview, it's like very yeah. Moving. So that's my next movie that I'm gonna see. Uh, all right, very good. That's Roman Hussein. I'm Benjamin. We'll be right back after this. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Ben, what was that update again? Uh, Bernie Sanders is falling behind in the polls. Is that what the update was? Yeah, what you were just saying? That's what you said? Oh, yeah. I was just reading this update breaking news. All right, good job breaking news there. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Chicago Sun-Times, huh? Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yeah, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories you love. Unlock every feature, video, and podcast just like the Ben Jarofsky show by signing up now for a digital subscription. Ben, you love digital subscriptions, right? Yes, I do. All right. Not only does he read his paper every day, he digitally subscribes to things for a limited (laughs) time only. You could test out digital access for only $1. Seriously, $1. People like me who ride the bus can afford that one. There's no reason to not give it a shot. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city. And go deep inside City Hall with best in-class political reporting. $1 for your first month 
You can't do better than that. Mm-mm. Unless they made it 50 cents. What would be the point of that? $1. $1. A nice, firm price. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, July 12th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operations. Operating Engineers Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board. And of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Thank goodness it is Friday, July 12th, and live from the Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of the Heartland Mamas. And we welcome back our good friend and host of the Doris Davenport Show, Doris Davenport. And now your host, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yeah. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. We uh, the Heartland Mamas are underway. Hold on, here they are in their car. Where? Oh, that's a fake car. Boom! Driving their car. They're on their way. Doors Davenport. Oh, she's in a fake car too. She's on her way, bringing Mr. Precious. They're all on their way. They'll be here any any moment now. And can you uh, please explain who Mr. Precious is? Oh, Mr. Precious is Doris Davenport's dog. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Mr. Those who don't know, that sounded a little weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Springing Mr. Precious. That could be anybody. Uh, and uh, the last time Doris was on the show, Mr. Precious was here and he had a, ch- a chain. A ri- was it a collar that collar was ringing? was with be- uh, bells. Ringing. And Dr. D, who's an old school, very old school guy for a millennial, was like, Notice those mints aren't there anymore? <laughs> He's tough, man. He took the mints. Who was it that blew it for everybody? Okay, we don't want to put her on blast, but it was Susana Mendoza. Yeah, Mendoza, you Seriously. blew it for everybody. The only way you can hear you you hear us, right? Yeah. So if someone's got a lifesaver in their mouth, well, we used to have thanks to Mark Sims, we had a bowl of mints on the guest table, and our guest went, "Oh, this is so nice of you." And I, oh well, yeah, I just thought of it, even though it was Mark Sims, and. Uh, and you hear this? Yeah. Well, oh, Susanna. Yeah. Like, all right, this is a horrible idea. Yeah, so, I uh, love the, the, the bowl. Dr. D's like, that's it. The guy's tough, by the way. You know, don't let that little nice guy demeanor fool you. The guy really calls the shots. <laughs> i tell around. you what, come January 1st, we're putting pot in that bowl. <laughs> Why? Or cannabis, you... sorry. Cannabis, D. Cannabis, get it right. <laughs> anyway, so he moved the bowl. The bowl's still there, so, you know, when you... Before and after, you can have it, but not while you're sitting. It was cool for a little bit. Then all of a sudden, people were, you know, eating lifesavers on the show. Like, all right. (laughs) Didn't Danny Weissman, we did a do that yesterday, pop one in. He took eight of them. (laughs) Home with them. No, I'm just kidding. Young Daniel Weissman, can I just say this? Can I just give a a shout out to some of our show? He came in for a bonus. Uh, This is the guy who hosts the uh, Arm and a Leg uh, podcast, an excellent podcast. The man knows more about healthcare than anyone in the universe. We had a delightful interview. It's going to be a bonus. Probably a week from this Saturday. We're ahead of ourselves on bonuses, Dave. My, oh my. And uh, it was a really great time listening to him. He's a funny guy, Dan Weissman, and very uh, informative. Anyway, I think he was the one chomping down on those lifesavers yesterday. And speaking of bonus interviews, Mm -hmm. yes, we live stream every Tuesday through Friday. And yes, we have those shows available for you to download. But 
The weekend is upon us, and that means a new batch of Benny J bonus interviews will be available for you to download. And like we always do, we have three, count them three, bonus interviews this weekend. So when you get some downtime, make sure to download our Benny J bonus interviews as soon as they become available. Here's this weekend's lineup. Our first interview will be available Saturday by 6 a.m. Number one. (laughs) It's a property tax bonus interview special with ProPublica reporter Jason Grotto. Ben, give us a sneak preview of our interview. Well, it's not just property tax. We tie it all together. Jason Grotto, great investigative reporter uh, for for ProPublica, did the groundbreaking work on uh, property taxes and was probably responsible as much as anyone else for alerting people to some of the inequities in our property tax system. And that led to the the voter rebellion in 2018, last year, in the March primary, uh, in which Joe Barrios, the incumbent assessor, was uh, ousted and Fritz Kake was ushered in. So property taxes are going out, folks. I hate to break it to you. You're getting the bad news if you own property. Uh, If you don't own property and you're a renter, you're still going to get the bad news because they're probably going to pass the uh, property tax hikes on you to form a higher rent. Sorry about that, D, but it's going to happen to you too. Damn it. Yeah, and so uh, uh, Jason sort of breaks down some of the stories on property taxes, but links into the uh, uh, the expansion of gambling in the state of Illinois. One of his, He's been really hot on the gambling story, talking about how Illinois is becoming the Vegas of the Midwest and, um, and how it's an attempt to find other forms of money so maybe uh, we're not as dependent on the property tax and it's not really working out the way everybody uh, uh, thought it would be or what they hoped it would be. So uh, Jason Grotto knows uh, he would take the deep dive, a very informative uh, interview with Jason on property taxes and gambling. All right, quick question. Which is worse, being the Vegas of the Midwest with these casinos or being the Jacksonville, Florida of the Midwest <laughs> with this gator? Yeah, I would definitely say the Vegas of the Midwest. The, the gator is a vaguely entertaining story. Uh, expanding gambling in the state of Illinois is uh, is really uh, drawing in suckers to throw away their money to fund government uh, because we don't know how else to do it. Also, by the way, what Jason kind of revealed that there's interests, financial interests behind the expansion of gambling. But as you recall, he said, I'm not ready to come out with that because oh, yeah, we're working. You reporters, yeah. man, you keep it close. Yeah, they keep it close. I know that's that old. I don't want to be scooped, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so he uh, suggested. Yeah, but I think it's absolutely. I'll take a Gator over Vegas any day. Uh, probably some Gators in Vegas, by the way. Oh hell yeah. yeah, the Vegas Gators. I'm sure that's like a like a low tier football team too. <laughs> All right, so that's our Saturday interview. It'll be available by 6 a.m. tomorrow. On to our Sunday bonus interview. Number two. We called them the political love couple. Oh, yeah. And no, they didn't make out during the interview. We kept them <laughs> apart. Hey, come on. Why? Wow, they tried. Yeah. It's political operative and dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky program, Kitty Kurth, and her husband, Kevin Lampy, both work for the presidential campaign of No Not Bernie, No Not Biden, Not Buttigieg, Beto, or Warren. But the Marianne Williamson yeah, campaign. No. Well, first of all, Kitty uh, and uh, Kevin have been around for a while. Uh, they're not as old as I am, but they're almost as old as I am. And they've been around in politics for a long time. So we really take the deep dive in the, the presidential race. But, yes, they are working for Marianne Williamson. I got. They gave me a button. There's my Marianne Williamson button. They were button? at the debate uh, at, uh, on behalf of Marianne Williamson, the, the, the debate in Miami. And they're going to be the one coming up in uh, uh, in Detroit at the end of the month. Uh, interesting stuff. Kitty and I went on this tangent. 
tangent. Kitty, I've known Kitty for a long time, and uh, she worked for uh, was it not Dukakis, uh, Paul Sanga's campaign in 1991, and that was the first time Bill Clinton ran for president. 1992, uh, he was elected, of course. Uh, and at the time, I remember having discussions with Kitty. We, giving away part of the interview, but uh, having discussions with Kitty where I, I was sort Called of a tease. That's what it got to give him a reason to download. You know what I mean? And uh, I was infatuated with Bill Clinton and she was trying to tell me uh, that Paul Sangas, who seems so boring and uh, he's just, you know, he didn't have the charisma and the personality of Bill Clinton. <laughs> and now I'm starting to realize that the Democrats really signed our deal with the devil when they uh, hooked in with Bill Clinton, not just uh, his policies, his middle of the road policies uh, where he moves oh, constantly moving right to win over uh, swing voters, Republicans, uh, instead of, of standing up for whatever democratic values or principles he had. But the man is so sleazy and the Democrats are constantly defending him throughout the 90s and into this century, constantly saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, look at his Supreme Court nominees or something like that. Or over, over, always trying to defend Bill Clinton's uh, lousy character and personality or not his personality, his lousy character, his lousy behavior, his sexist behavior. Uh, and now his name has been linked to Jeffrey Epstein. It's just, I'm just getting tired of having to defend Bill Clinton. I don't even like defending him at all. And I feel like, you know, I was bamboozled in the 90s. That's kind of where I'm feeling. So uh, Kitty and I uh, took the deep dive on that as well. Oh, he's hey, get that man oh, away. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, get out of my mouth. sorry. <laughs> see what I'm saying? It's tempting. They're good. All right. And finally, Monday's interview. Number, number three. three. By the way. Sunday, 6 a.m., Kitty Kurth, Kevin Lampy will be available. All right. Our uh, Monday interview, these two are no strangers to this program. They will be coming in after today's show to record. It's State Senator Toy Hutchinson along with Personal Pack CEO. Ben, did you bring your uh, big boy pants? Yeah, by the way? <laughs> Terry Cosgrove. Mr. Put on your big boy pants himself, Terry Cosgrove. Uh, ben, give us a preview. Well, of what we'll be you're talking, be talking about. a lot about the, the struggle for reproductive rights in this country. Uh, <laughs> Terry Cosgrove is the uh, executive director of Personal Pack, the leading reproductive rights uh, pack in the state of Illinois. Uh, and as such, are probably responsible as anyone for making uh, having such a liberal state in regards on this issue. And Toy Hutchinson led the charge uh, as a st- senator, so we'll be taking the deep dive there. And I personally uh, do not know. This is one of my favorite issues. I've talked about it on the show. Uh, the way the Republicans are trying to say there's equivalency between uh, the Democrats' position of protecting the reproductive rights of women uh, on a, a, just a, a limited basis, a, a minimal basis, if you will, and uh, Republicans who have these extreme laws that they're uh, passing throughout the country, including like Alabama, where you're criminalizing abortion, trying to put, do- threatening to put doctors in jail for uh, abortions. We'll probably be talking about the case in Alabama, a very bizarre case in which, I don't know if you folks have followed this, where um, there was a woman who was pregnant, uh, got into a fight with another woman and was uh, shot by the other woman. Uh, her the, the 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 fetus died, the baby died, uh, and the fe- the pro- the feds, excuse me, the state uh, of Alabama was going to charge the woman who was pregnant uh, for um, for her role in that matter, endangering the life of her fetus. Very bizarre. They weren't going to charge the shooter, uh, but they were going to charge the woman uh, uh, who was pregnant. So the, I believe a lot of these red states, these Republican states, have lost their mind on this issue, and we'll probably be talking about that as well. So there you go, Toy Hut. Hutchinson and Terry Cosgrove, uh, Terry Cosgrove. That'll be available Monday by 5 a.m. Because I know you 
people got to get to work early on Monday. So 5 a.m. that'll be available. Once again, Jason Grotto on Saturday. The political love couple, Kitty Kurth and Kevin, Kevin Lampy on Sunday. Toy Hutchinson and Terry Cosgrove on Monday. These interviews are available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Uh, Chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky. ChicagoReader.com or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're now on Spotify. Tell your friends. It's our Benny J bonus interview. Sorry, YouTubers and live streamers. We do not have that available on YouTube. You got to download it, all right? Okay, on to update number two. Right now, posted on both Ben Jarofsky Facebook and Twitter pages. It's the latest Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. This week's article is titled, Right Wing Snowflakes. And Ben, I think you may be right about uh, your talent for headlines. <laughs> Man, give it like a four. Oh, the, right a wing four s- out of what? Ten. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> Thank you. Tell us what we'll expect in <laughs> Oh, this my article. God, it should be like zero because it's terrible. I'm a terrible headline He's not writer. great at headlines. Oh, my goodness. I should, I should, He's good at the rest of the part. Uh, yeah, the, the rest of the story. Now, this, I am uh, utterly obsessed with the story. There was a column I've written out twice about it. Brett Stevens, a columnist for the New York Times, a uh, conservative of columnist for the New York Times wrote a column uh, soon after the Democrats' debate, and I think the headline, their headline, was like "Wretched Start for the Democrats." Oh, take notes, buddy. <laughs> That's at least a six. <laughs> I think my snowflakes uh, headline is better than that. Uh, anyway, the premise of uh, Brett Stevens' column was that the Democrats are guaranteeing the re-election of Donald Trump because they've moved too far to the left, and he watched the um, the exchanges and came away with the assumption that uh, the people who watch that debate uh, would ha- would believe that the Democrats only want to represent uh, people who speak. I don't have the exact quote of me. Uh, they, he, he came it down to this paragraph that they speak Spanish, we don't. Uh, they don't work, we do. They don't pay taxes, we do. And it was like, he, he went into the mind of someone who had the most bigoted attitude uh, toward uh, Spanish-speaking people in this country, to Hispanics or Latinos in this country. And he did, he did it in such a way without um, like saying this is not my belief he didn't make it clear that he wasn't saying I believe this he was suggest- it, you could read that and think he believed it and or he didn't make it clear that I find this an abomination uh, that uh, I find this offensive he he made it seem as though it was justifiable and um, and so there was a response as you might respond expect when he wrote this column people who read it accused him of being a bigot and a racist and what was his response to their response instead of saying looking in the mirror and saying you know maybe I didn't handle that the best way maybe I didn't make it clear that I um, don't agree with this position he counterpunched and he, atta- he he accused the people who were mad at him of like sort of trampling trampling on his rights of free expression. He accused them of being political correct fanatics uh, who would deny somebody of on the right the opportunity just to speak his mind. And this is a popular theme. I've been following this and talking about this for a long time. D uh, people on the right they want the freedom to insult anybody that they uh, disagree with. So if they want to insult Spanish-speaking people, uh, they should be free to insult them. If they want to insult uh, blacks, women, etc., they should be free to insult them. If there's a response or a reaction 
that uh, by people who are outraged, then the people, uh, the 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 right says you're a snowflake. You can't handle criticism. You are too much a slave of political correctness. So they're always quick to say, I believe in free expression when they want to insult somebody. And when someone gets hurt, they go, you can't take it. Flip the switch, though. Flip the switch. And then they're crying like little babies. And there's Brett (laughs) (laughs) Stevens. I'm Brett Stevens. You insulted me. And and he's bad. He's hurt because people said he was a bigot and a racist. Well, you sure sound like one. And uh, so I address that issue. I've, I've been do, I've been talking about this on the air for a while. The first time I ever like attempted to put it in the thought into a column. Uh, this double standard. Uh, people on the right say they want to have uh, free expression. They want to have an exchange of ideas. Uh, so generally, that means they want the right to insult somebody else. And when they've offended other people, they say, "Oh, you can't handle it." Not that I offended you. They never want to apologize for it. They, they're just they behave like Donald Trump. And, uh, and so that, that's sort of the issue I debate. We see this all the time. This is standard operating procedure. And they, by the way, they've convinced a lot of Democrats. A lot of Democrats are convinced that they're very apologetic. A lot of liberals out there will like apologize. So like, for instance, if a university, what's, what's old boy's name? You old boy. uh, Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the blogger who's uh, always insulting. uh, I talk about him all the time. He used to work for a Breitbart. Anyway, he wants to insult women and uh, feminists, et cetera. Uh, Yiannopoulos, what is his name? Oh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, Milo. Milo wants to come to college campus and insult everybody. And uh, college, the students pull back the invitation, then liberals will be apologizing. Oh, well, we should encourage free speech. Uh, you've gone too far. You know what I'm saying? They, so they buy into it. And uh, I'm just saying, you know, when is it going to be a two-way street? Why do liberals always have to apologize whenever a conservative is offended? But conservatives don't have to apologize whenever they offend liberals. So anyway, that's sort of the issue I deal with in that story. So there you are. Go check it out. It's posted on both Facebook and Twitter pages at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, the latest Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Uh, the headline, I don't know, right wing snowflake. Studio audience, how do we feel about that uh, that uh, headline there, right wing snowflakes? <laughs> Oh, nothing. Yeah, 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 they don't like it. All right, we'll get better at that. We'll get better at that. And uh, before we go to break here, let's read uh, some comments here on our YouTube live stream chat. They've been weighing in here a little bit. Shout out to everybody who's done that. You guys are awesome. First up here on the live stream chat. Feel free, if you're listening live, by the way, to check it out. Go to YouTube and uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and join the live stream chat. Subscribe and uh, hit like, too. I heard that's pretty good as well. So looking at your comments here. Oh, Johnny Joe, he's really fun. Oh, I got to turn the crickets off. Hold on a second. There we go. Okay. Johnny Joe says, hey, if they want to get that gator out of Chicago, send them a property tax bill. It works for everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, Doris Davenport has dropped down all the Cook County tax rates released. So, uh, Johnny Joe, this this will really get you going. And Stephen. Oh, haven't seen you in a while, Stephen. How's it going? He says, city (laughs) controllers, Susana Mendoza. Can't handle mints. I read all about it. <laughs> yeah, man, she can't. She opened that candy. That's why poor Doris Davenport's not going to have a mint because Susanna Mendoza. <laughs> all right, everybody, we'll be right back. Stick around.
Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and people... It's awesome, all right? Just listen to this. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. It's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky show. Boy, what was that? So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you. And go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. Green Element Resale. Go there now and save. Whoa! Tons of money. money. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We're live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Doris Davenport has joined me, one of my favorite guests of all time, Doris Davenport, the host of a show called The Doris Davenport Show. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. (laughs) Two Doris Davenport shows. Not one, but two, Mm. Uh, including one on that radio station. What's the name of that radio station, D? Uh, uh, WCU Later. Someone on the live stream chat came up with that. Uh, I can't WCU don't want to be you. Uh, excuse me. It's WCPT. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where facts matter at, yeah. on, on Saturday mornings from yeah. 10 to 11. Well, they may matter at Saturday morning at 10 to 11, but. <laughs> oh, oh, no, right. hey, oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, hey, that was uncalled for. There, that was uncalled for. That was uncalled for. <laughs> and Sunday evenings from 6 to 8 on WPNA. Mm-hmm. I've been a guest on that show uh, in Oak Park. And, uh, well, for so, new listeners, by the way, Way, that joke Let, let's get you in on the joke that last station fired Ben. <laughs> oh no yeah man it wasn't that bad uh anyway all right now that was ancient history d we yeah, moved on a long right? time ago long time ago long long time ago Stop singing. i heard uh, you dissing the conservatives before i came in what's that oh my <laughs> this is my this is one of my favorite things uh it started with this guy brett stevens who writes a column for the new york times i just talked about this uh and he wrote a column which was very insulting to spanish uh speaking people hispanics and this country uh and the bigotry in this uh in embedded in this column were outrageous uh, he got the response people were outraged angered they they called him a racist and a bigot and instead of responding with a column explaining oh uh, you know apologizing or trying mm-hmm. to explain where what i 
meant to say was X, Y, Z. He did what most conservatives do when they're called out for their uh, bigoted behavior. Mm -hmm. They cry like the little babies. If they are, (laughs) (laughs) you're being politically correct. (laughs) Instead of looking in the mirror ever, what's the next conservative going to look in the mirror and go, you know what? Maybe I'll reassess how I behave, what I say, what I do. Do this all the time. You know, that's a fault. I'm almost getting worse. I said this. It's so true. It's just like Kellyanne Conway. You know, she's got a real big mouth, but she got smacked down on Twitter just yesterday. And I think it was Congresswoman Candace Owens that smacked her down. Oh, no. Uh, Candace Owens isn't a congresswoman. What was the name of, what was her name? Candace Owens is a right winger. I don't know who. Oh, no, no, no. I was telling, oh, you thought. No, 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 no. So it was Kelly Conway who got smacked down. But this was one of the new black congresswomen. Mm -hmm. And I've seen her on MSNBC several times. But anyway, Conway said something to her on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it was a, you know, she she was being nasty. She was being a mean girl. And so the congresswoman came back and she called her distraction Becky. Mm -hmm. And she said, keep my name out of your lying mouth. And I mean, Twitter went crazy. <laughs> That's probably why it crashed yesterday. <laughs> probably, yeah. probably. But and you didn't hear another word from Kelly Conway. Yeah. So that's the point. You know, they're like bullies. Well, they are bullies. I take like out of that sentence. They are bullies <laughs> and they've successfully bullied many Democrats. Yes. Democrats go around talking, I don't want to be politically correct and we shouldn't be so politically correct. Right. And, and I do not believe people should have free reign to insult other people. I agree. But if you come with it, <laughs> bring it, baby. So this dude, Brett Stevens, is like something they counterpunched him. He broke down. Like, so, you're so mean to me. Yeah. My father said he told all his girls, I don't want to ever hear anybody from your school calling me and saying you started a fight. But if somebody starts it, you better finish it. <laughs> is that for real? I'm fear. I'm for real. Are you a good fighter? <sighs> Don't try me. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, see, I'm like, uh, well, we're not, I, I just never, I hate fights, never get into fights. When I was a kid, I got beat up a couple of times. Eh, that's not my thing. You know what well, I mean? You know what? I have to say that I'm a very, I'm a pretty passive individual. I don't get riled up, but the couple of times that I have, and I have, when I was a child, two people that I can recall, and probably the school will witness it, uh, they did test it. And it wasn't a pretty picture. All right. So you say you don't get riled up, but I I know you have to be riled up by uh, the Jeffrey Epstein case. We've been talking about this a lot on the show. And uh, my personal belief is that uh, somebody made a call. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about this uh, for a while now, that somebody made a call Mm -hmm. uh, to the prosecutors uh, to get the prosecutors uh, to go easy, lay down on Jeffrey Epstein. That's my guess. It happened Mm -hmm. both in Florida and it happened in New York. That's my guess. I don't have mm-hmm. the, I just, the behavior of the prosecutors just doesn't make any sense on any right. other level. What do you think? I think that it's, I think you're absolutely right. I think a deal was made. And even when you look at from uh, the legal analysts have all been talking about this. And one of the things that they say is, first of all, there's a lot of boilerplate language missing from this deal. There's certain forms and uh, that lawyers use when they're crafting settlements. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was left out. And that that one word global is what everything is kind of hinging on, whether he's able to get off or not, because it says that he's going to be free of his global activities. He admitted guilt. He's guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say, oh, uh, um, allegedly, no, 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 no. He admitted guilt mm-hmm. and a deal was made. And that deal is clearly an inside deal. 
you know, Labor Secretary stepped down. Yeah, finally. yeah, we were talking about that. By the way, Heidi Henry has battled the traffic. My uh, girl, yeah. <laughs> they have arrived. Maria, has they battled? You guys were stuck in traffic. Where were you? St- we were on the Stevenson. The Stevenson was a nightmare. <laughs> that was a nightmare. It never takes that long. It took us almost two hours to just get up and through to Ashland to, to yeah. take the exit. Uh, the Heartland Mamas. Uh, Heidi, uh, tell everybody who the Heartland Mamas are and uh, how you got your name, where they could find you, that kind of thing. Well, we got our name. Uh, Marie Briel and I are both mamas. Um, <laughs> we met on the campaign trail in 2018. Mm. Is that 2018? Yeah. 2017. <laughs> 2017. Yeah. And we became fast friends, and we decided we weren't done with the conversation yet. That's why you wanted so. to continue. And you were on the show with Doris uh, about a month or so ago. It was so much fun. I thought it I'd was so good back. to see Doris. Oh, I love How seeing you. It's a lot of love. <laughs> a lot of love. There's a lot of love in here. A lot of love in the studio. I'm going to to bring you guys uh, on my show. And uh, traffic. Okay. Well, the question I was asking you, Doris, I'm going to uh, get a little more specific with it. And I'll, the Heartland Mamas, uh, Heidi and Mary, I want you to listen and come up with the responses as well. I believe a phone call was made. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that someone intervened on behalf of Epstein, both in Florida and New York, and that's why the uh, let the prosecutors were so lenient. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, one, do you agree with me that a mm-hmm. phone call was made or mm-hmm. some people were intervening on his behalf? And two, if you do, who do you think those people were that were intervening on his behalf? Mm-hmm. Doris Davenport, go. I agree with you. I 150% <laughs> agree with you. Yeah. I beat the music. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. um, I do agree. Who was it? It's kind of hard to say, but it was people from the top level even today, what came out is that the witnesses in this case, they have evidence that he sent people out to harass them, to stalk them, to intimidate them. He hired testifying. a private investigator. He hired a private investigator to go after witnesses. Now, you know what? Women and now the children, we don't do enough in this country. The reason why there is so much pedophilia, why there is so much sex trafficking of kids, look at the criminal penalties. They get off so easily. Why? Because most of them are white men. Very true. Well, and the laws are designed to make it more difficult for trafficking victims to come forward. That's true. Everything about it makes it harder. But why do you think so? Oh, because it's a a lucrative business. Mm -hmm. I personally think the largest reason behind trafficking is greed. Yeah. Human greed. Yeah. Because it is ridiculously lucrative. Mm -hmm. It's under the radar. Your chances of getting caught are far less than they are anything else. You can exploit labor. You can exploit children. You can exploit pretty much anyone who's down on their luck. It's a brilliant plan. And if somebody goes, we, Heidi and I just did a show on uh, trafficking. Mm -hmm. We have a part one and our part two will be coming out on Monday. And the things, the I-80 corridor is huge for trafficking. Yeah. The I-80 corridor is a very, um, you know, living along that corridor for the last 30 years, uh, people don't understand the issue of how people are moved back and forth. And the fact that they come out to rule Illinois or rule America to do that is because our police forces are small. We're usually understaffed. We're usually under-trained to deal with these issues. And we were talking not only um, the, the exotic spas that are opened out by us, 
that are difficult to raid, difficult to control. And when you do shut one down, you can't figure out who owns it. That's a big part of the problem. Several states have introduced some legislation which looks to demystify the business registration process. Mm -hmm. But the United States, with the lax regulation, it is the easiest place to register a business because there's no federal requirement. So down in Florida, I don't even have to be the owner listed. Mm -hmm. I can be an agent, someone Mm -hmm. you pay that lives in Florida who has nothing to do with it the shell corporations and the way it goes back. So we want federal legislation that says, hey, we need a standard here. So if we do find sex trafficking, we can bring a whole ring down. Mm-hmm. Not well, we just want one federal regislation, but we also want um, regulation, right? I mean, you've got Absolutely. the, we've got the yes. in place yes. under the Trump administration. Yes. He has deregulated almost every single yeah. industry. Guys, but just so you know. Yeah. It was against the law, which Jeffrey Epstein did. Yeah, oh, and the laws that existed to punish him. They didn't prosecute him to the full extent that they had. Oh, they, given they, they given what you just said, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Between Epstein and R. Kelly. Are we okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. R. Kelly. Do you think that between the two of them, that they will both have to stay in jail until their trial? Epstein can afford his bail. I, I do not believe, oh my, I, God, I hope I'm not naive. I've, mm-hmm. I've been in the bubble, so I don't know what news has been breaking on the Epstein case. I do not believe a judge will grant him bail at this stage. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that it would be too embarrassing uh, and it would just show the just the disparity in the system too much for them to take. So I, I personally do not believe in this case mm-hmm. that judge, as I say this, Doris, I, I'm just <laughs> oh. like, man, I'm putting too much faith in the yeah. system. Well, they want, they, they want, he wants bail. His lawyers are asking for him to have an ankle monitor and to, man, he, an put ankle his, monitor. he put up his private jet as collateral. He put oh. up his mansion as collateral, Talk but he wants to live risk. it out in his condo, which is the largest piece of private real estate in New York, is yes. my understanding. Yeah. Yes. I, I Listen. Well, R. Kelly, yeah. who, both of them need to be underneath the jail. Yeah. But <laughs> R. Kelly is broke, so he's going to jail. Right. And, well, and you said, time. would they face the same amount? Amount of time yeah, that's the or the, the same being in um w- without bail or remanded honestly if if r kelly had the money he wouldn't sit in jail either i don't i think he would really i oh think, yeah i think it's because now he's the, got the federal defense. charges against him well now with the federal charges i think you're right but before you know we've watched here in our area r kelly skate in and out of jail and in and out of trouble. That was forever. before Kim Fox came. Before Kim Fox. Thank God for Kim Fox because she mm-hmm. wasn't playing. Yes. You know? She stepped out and took care of the, the victims. Yeah. And I, w- I was so, I was proud of her and I've never met her. Well, we, we <laughs> I had a conversation with Romano before this, uh, at the start of the show. Uh, the, the contrasting, the, the R. Kelly case contrasted uh, with the Jeffrey Epstein case. Uh, and uh, the, the, the difference I make is... I believe that uh, somebody intervened on behalf of Jeffrey Epstein, yes. mm-hmm. uh, a powerful person who's or persons who are unknown. Mm-hmm. Calls were made, and you know we talk about the calls being made to Kim Fox in the Smollett case. Mm-hmm. Calls oh, yes. were made. Okay, yeah, yeah. we're making a big deal about those calls, That's but we're right. not making a big deal about the other calls. Uh, and uh, and uh, in our Kelly's case. I don't believe calls were made to powerful people, to prosecutors on his behalf. I think that's an instance back in the day of wealth and celebrity Mm -hmm. uh, and Mm -hmm. good lawyers prevailing. We've seen this story a Mm -hmm. few times. So I think I'm not saying what I'm not saying what happened with R. Kelly was good. I'm just saying I don't think it is 
quite the same as what went down with Jeffrey Epstein. What do you think? I think you're right. And I think one of the, um, not maybe not last time, but the time before that I was here, we had a conversation and I brought up Michelle Obama's name and I did do the homework on it. So there was no evidence that she and Tina Chen had talked. It was speculation yes. that because Tina worked for her and, and Michelle did know the family too, that there was some conversation, but we don't know that. Well, that's the, okay, see, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. I, you're not the only person. There was somebody else who came on this show and said, drop that name. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Michelle Obama? <laughs> I, and 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 that was just uh, raw speculation. Nobody yeah. knows that that. And it's just like me speculating about who called on behalf yeah. of Epstein. I mean, yeah. when you again, it's when you see what those prosecutors did and how lenient they were and how tolerant they were and how they bent over backwards, particularly in the in the matter in New York, uh, where they dropped his ranking from like sex predator to like sex offender. Yeah, I'm like. That really? Wait some, a minute. Yeah, yeah. wait. Money uh, talks. So money. who would be behind that would be the question, right? Like, we don't know. It could come from either side. He knew very many powerful people. I think the story talks about his uh, Harvard uh, connections and the money that he gave blackmailing people. So where would it come from? I don't know. My my guess, bar. it's uh, by. Partisan and uh, oh, yes. mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans. Well, you know what? You have just said something because what we do know is that Mr. Bill Clinton himself spent many, many a plane ride alongside Epstein. Yeah, I throw his name out there. And that, by the way, we're going to uh, take a break. I'm going to come back and I'm going to uh, throw out the Bill Clinton question that I've been throwing out all week ever since I started thinking about Bill Clinton's connection to this sleazy Epstein. Mm-hmm. And that is this. In 1992, Bill Clinton beat George Herbert Walker Bush for president. Would we, as uh, a Democratic Party and as a country, have been better if Bush won that election? We're going to ask the Heartland Mamas and Doris Davenport to answer that question when we return. This is an awfully big body of water. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. And we're talking about a needle that moves constantly. He's checked the floating traps he hand-curated. Right now is a combination of drumsticks, rats, and uh, smelt. Yum. Well, as far as the gator goes, that's a pretty good offering. We're hoping that the, the wind blowing the scent across the water will catch his attention. We're all speculating on, on whether he grew up in somebody's you know, bathtub or backyard or something. He's enjoying the, the five feet of water. He probably was raised in six inches. If we could find the animal, we can capture the animal. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my. Look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Our friends and co-hosts at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yeah, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories you love. Ben has been so excited about this ever since we've been talking about it, all right? He loves subscribing digitally. Unlock every feature, video, 
and podcast, just like the Ben Jarofsky show, by signing up now for your digital subscription. For a limited time only, you can lock in our lowest rate yet, only $29.99 for a full year of all the news that you need to know. Stay up to date on breaking stories, get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters, cheer for the big game with the best sports team in the city, and go deep inside City Hall with best in-class political reporting. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. Oh, Ben has just been (laughs) online like crazy getting this unlimited access. He loves it. You can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. All right, people, it's almost time. Can you feel it in the air? Yeah, summer, humidity, it's kind of hot. But Square Roots Festival is this weekend. That's right, 50 bands and artists from... Oh, my Lord, 50 bands like these guys interrupted me. All right, it's good music, so it's fine. 50 bands and artists from around the world will entertain on four stages. Your do- your donations support Lincoln Square, Ravenswood Chamber of Commerce's free concerts and farmers markets in Old Town School of Folk Music's financial aid programs and outreach programming. It's this weekend. In fact, they're setting up for it right now. July 12th, 13th, 14th. It's Square Roots Festival. Follow on social media. Just search for Square Roots Festival. It's all this weekend. Ben Jarofsky's going to be there. Look for him. Just look for the guys, the, the guy in the bull's hat talking about tiffs. Square Roots Festival this weekend. Give a little, take a little. Let your poor heart bleed, baby, little but baby. That's the glory of love. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. 
we're we're not ready to go home yet. We're gonna let a clock go a little longer. Uh, everybody got stuck in traffic. We're gonna continue this conversation. Uh, Heidi Henry, uh, uh, Murray Brio, and of course the great Doris Davenport and Mr. Industry. Precious and Mr. Precious. Yeah, Mr. Precious looking very precious. That's her dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's her dog, Doris Davenport's dog. Mr. Precious. Uh, and um, and uh, Doris Davenport playing the keyboards there. Oh, wow, man. how about that, huh? Yeah, Doris so Davenport. Good. She can talk. She can do political consulting. I'm just going to give her a nickname. Elton Jane. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not Becky. No, no. Yeah, don't call her no, Becky. No, no. Not Becky. No. That's All right. right. So, Doris Davenport. I, I'd raise the question. Now you're going to be the first to answer. We're going to go right down the line. Would we as a civilization, as a democratic party, as a country, the United States of America, have been better off if George Bush had won in 92 and we would not would have been spared William Jefferson Clinton <laughs> as president of the United States and leader of the Democratic Party? Go. Well, <laughs> this music is so funny. Well, let me say this first. Mm -hmm. We all know that Bill Clinton was absolutely um, um, a master at politics. Yes. He is a master politician. Now, I don't know if that's where he got his name Slick Willie from or not, but would we be better off? What I can say is I don't think we could have been any worse off. And maybe we would have been better off. I actually liked Papa Bush. Um, and I'd have to say that when you think about the criminal justice system today, it was Bill Clinton who passed all those policies that locked up so many black and brown people. All those disparaging sentencing for cocaine and, you know, those things happened under his watch. All of the, um, I think that's, that's one of the number one things. I think black people were duped uh, with his saxophone playing and his his um, loving to, you know, he, he Rahm Emanuel tried to do some of that, but he bombed every time. Yeah. When Bill Clinton got around black people, he his days in Arkansas, down in the country, he knew exactly what to do and what to say. And it served him well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think those two, they're not that far apart. Bill Clinton was a Democrat, but if you look at his policies and a lot of the things that he did, I think the best thing he did was the White House Conference on Small Business, which was the only office I've ever run for. I was elected by the state of Illinois to represent the state of Illinois. So I continue to be that representative until there's another White House Conference on Small Business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you think he, he uh, no, I, I, I was one of the people, I was really taken in by Clinton. I was almost embarrassed how mm -hmm. much I thought, because he infuriated Republicans. And I, I got immense satisfaction of watching how frustrated they were. Yeah. Uh, because he was slick Willie, and he could talk his way out of anything. Anything, and including Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Had and Hillary on Nightline or Oprah's show or somewhere defending him. Yeah. A lot of Democratic women defended him. Uh, when you think about this, Heidi Henry, do, do you think the Democratic uh, Party sold itself out, sold out its values by uh, defending Clinton for so strenuously all those years? I don't think so, because we we knew who he was before we elected him. Mm -hmm. I, we absolutely knew that he was a dog. <laughs> Dirty dog. Dirty dog. <laughs> and, you know, when I look at that, would he have been better off or would the country have been better off? No, I think we were better off having elected Clinton. Um, I really believe that that some of the things he did, especially um, especially what Doris was talking about with with um, the changes in the judicial judicial system, are things that we're still trying to rectify now. And I don't know how 
we undo all of that damage. Mm-hmm. So that's, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I I think we're all kind of on the same page there. I, I don't agree that it would have been better to have Bush elected again. Um, I think even though he made a lot of mistakes and did a lot of stupid things, he still advanced ideas that needed to be advanced at that particular time. Um, you know, Hillary had a, eight years of trying to get universal health care started back then. If we hadn't have had that discussion and started that discussion for another tw- what, 12 years, mm-hmm. what would have happened? Okay, we, we'd be 12 years behind where we are right now. Yeah, it's just, it's just terrifying. Think, yeah. yeah, so, and think about a lot of the policies that we got involved in, especially foreign policy and being a peacekeeper, but really to exploit uh, other countries. You know, I, I gotta say, I don't, I, I can't say that we'd be in a better place. I think it needed to happen when it happened for the nation. You know, the, the thing that I think about, you know, is, is Clinton was a master of talking and bringing people together. And he would always talk about developing more world partners and world enemies, right? So I think that we needed that and we need more of it. We need to be less the enemy of the world and the, the, the boss, the enforcer that we have become. Um, under him, it seemed like we had more a calmer world you know, a much calmer world. Uh, At that time when he was in office, I was a welfare to work counselor. And for all the faults of that program, there were some really good things. I saw some some women really evolve past where they were and be able to go out into the workforce and become more than they ever thought they would be. The program was deeply flawed, but the premise of it was good. I think a lot of things, you know, once you, you invite everybody to the table, it becomes different than than what it started out to be. But but I did enjoy, you know, helping people grow and get past that that well, part of their life. Well, you said something, uh, Heidi, when you were talking about Clinton. Uh, you, we knew he was a dog. Yeah. And uh, when you said that, I, 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 a lot of Republican women say that about Donald Trump. Yes. Yeah, we know he's a dog. And then they'll go, but Clinton was a dog too, okay? So it's sort of like that's used to excuse Donald Trump. And oh boy down in uh, Alabama, blanking on his name, who was Roy like- Roy Moore? Yeah, Roy Moore, <laughs> who's beyond dog, okay? Oh, and then oh, Republican, gosh. well, you had Clinton. And I, I wonder, do you have the Democrats by embracing Bill Clinton? I'm guilty of it too. Okay. I, I voted for him twice. Okay, I, I voted for him once. I vote, my husband talked me into voting. I know. Look at me shocked. Like, I, my hu- husband. <laughs> That's it. Heartland Mamas is now breaking up. She didn't vote for him. God rest him. Him. I'm out. I, you know, it's one of those things where he he got me on the pro train for for. To vote, and then afterwards, I'm like, how the hell did I get here? You know, but so, Ben, honest to God, I don't <laughs> think your the sexual litmus test has any value because if you think about what came out of the Monica Lewinsky thing, we got the moral majority. Look at the guys that were on the moral majority, for God's sake. Every single one of them was a dog. Hiding their dogness, yeah. right? <laughs> Hiding it very well. Yeah. But we, you know, after the curtain was parted, we're like, how can these guys be the moral majority? We're all screwed at this. <laughs> the truth, you know, <laughs> look at what we got now. Well, and see, the thing is, is that, is that really, is that really the test we want? I mean, I'm all about integrity and honesty, 
if you've got problems in your marriage, Donald Trump, I feel I feel bad for any woman that has to spend time with him. But that's we knew who he was when he got elected. We knew who Bill Clinton was when he got elected. I don't know if I necessarily buy that because and I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, we knew he was a dog. We knew he we knew he was slick. Right. I don't think anybody would have believed he did what he would have done what he was doing in the Oval Office underneath the desk oh, dear with God. an intern. I, <laughs> um, that, that kind of dog level, I don't think we really knew. But you know, but I just want to say that, there, remember that black community in uh, Philadelphia yes. where they, the, the bombed. police bombed? Bombed all, it. Now, the reason that I can draw a parallel line there okay. is because that action was taken with the consent of the black community. But yes. after it happened, the black community said, well, we didn't know you were going to we bomb them um, like, and kill all those people and children. We, we wanted you to do something about it. Well, right. I do, and a lot of black congressmen and senators, well, congressmen voted with Bill Clinton on those uh, hardcore Absolutely. Uh, criminal yeah. justice laws. Bobby Rush. Yeah, but, but, but they would, I think they would tell you now, but we had no idea what the impact would really be. Well, we wanted, you know, they would never say they signed their name to lock up thousands and thousands of, of uh, black people. Yeah. Well, in, in talking about the dogness, okay, with Clinton, you had, he had a very salacious affair, right? He is not- That we know of one. Well, then we know of one, right? Yeah. The, the thing is, is if we go back to, you know, back in history, we know that he's not the only one. And I would rather judge his presidency not by Monica Lewinsky, which the moral majority would have us judge it by, but by the other things that he did that were good and learn from the things that he did that were really bad. All right. Let me, let me just, I'm going to direct this to you. It, to me, the issue of whether he was unfaithful to his wife, whether he played around, whether he was a womanizer is one thing. Cause right. that's, you were saying like other presidents have been that. It's the accusations of sexual assault. It's the accusations of using his power as a governor to force women to uh, have sex with him and then using his power as a governor to cover up these deeds mm -hmm. and then using his power as a p political personality to demonize the women, so, trash the women. Mm -hmm. That is, that's what I'm, that's yeah, Bill Clinton. That's right. That's I Bill agree. Clinton. I, I, There's I a agree. lot of dogs out there who have yeah, affairs, but, but Billy that's C a whole took other it level. to another level. <laughs> that's right. I agree with you. I do agree with you. And I, I, I will no longer say, and, and I hear you on let's judge him by the things he did, but not by um, his moral character. I, I, I vehemently disagree because that's how we got in. That's how we got where we are with this man in the White House by separating the two. We need to be able to parallel those things when we're voting for people. If we're right. not willing to look at their moral compass I, and understand who they are, what their character is, then I don't think what they say really doesn't matter known, much anymore. Back in the day. Uh, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet. It, it was not even tubes yet. <laughs> remember the congressman that said it was tubes? Sorry. Which congressman said that? I can't remember, but he called it, it there's yeah. a bunch of tubes connected. Oh, and that's what he said. That. Yeah. I don't remember yes. that. Okay. But in, in that day, yes, there was news, but there wasn't the 24-hour news cycle. There was newspaper news, and rural places still have those issues with getting communication even today. So do you really think that we would have known 
about what Clinton had done that I wish was, we could do a quick Google search to see how many women came forward and said that oh, we they knew. were um, yeah. we, sexually we, assaulted yeah, or we something. Knew. Oh my god! So I, was, I think yeah. we did then what we're doing now, yeah. and that's just we we, we turned a blind eye to the women. We didn't listen. We I didn't get, give them exactly, space or voice, and we didn't we, need Google. We didn't need the internet for that, though. Doris, that's my. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Heidi. That's I, my point. Yeah. I just want to say this real quick: is that it's the women. <laughs> There's a tug of war going on. No, we don't. We're country girls, you know. We'll take them out. But I think you know you're absolutely right. It's it's not about whether he was a dog and he abused his position. It has positions have been abused from anyone who has ever been over a woman in any position. Whether you go to McDonald's down the street, that doesn't and, make the, it right. and my neighbor who's an immigrant giving them a green is, pass. No, 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 no. But I'm saying. Now, at least people are willing to say something 20, 30, 40 years ago. It was unheard of to come forward. That's why we had those few cases that did. So, yeah, we were just not valued. I'm sorry, Doris. 20, 30 years ago. So what if 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 I if I made a woman have sex with me as she wanted to? It's the same mentality today. Nothing's changed. Well, and, and so what I was going to say is, is I'm not excusing his bad behavior, and I'm certainly not excusing Trump's, but we did not have as much information on Bill Clinton at the time we really needed it. Does it detract from, you know, like Ben, I was completely, you know, blown away by how his his charisma and his way of delivering a message and the fact that he's a very uh, educated, intelligent man, right? So he's able to to deliver his messages with a lot of um, with a lot of grace. But when you go back and you look at it now, you think, oh, my God, what a monster. Is he as big a monster as Trump? You know, there's a big part of me that hopes not. But at the same Maybe time, he just has nicer white gloves. Well, and that's the, it's the thing. Was he able to hide it better? Well, all right, guys. I, uh, I don't have my uh, computer in front of me, but I have my memory. And I have not gone out to dinosaur land yet. So I still have some vivid memories. And one of the memories I have is a 60-minute uh, interview with Hillary and Bill Clinton in 1992, right? around the time of the New Hampshire primary, I want to say, where Hillary defended him. Members of the Tammy yes, Wynette. I remember. Uh, she goes, I'm not just going to stand by my man or something like that. And uh, she was out there defending Bill Clinton. Because that was her job. Yeah. But the point is, we knew. I think even she's, she oh, believed oh, oh, him. Oh, I, would, I will never forget that one interview Hillary Clinton gave after the after he was accused. There was no evidence of anything, and she stood by and said, "This is a smear job. They're trying to smear my right. husband." Yes. And the next day, she, she was silent, and you knew he must have come out and told her the truth because she, he let her hang yes. out there, Absolutely. and I was so embarrassed for her. Yeah, I do. I, ben, I'm with you 100. percent When wondering. you when you were talking yeah. about how you had so much information at the time that you knew what was going on, yeah. there's a big difference because you're here in Chicago. I was out in Lacelle County, down in Bloomington, Illinois, yeah. where we had a newspaper. But um, you know, the TV you got the news half hour, and they didn't discuss it on yeah. TV. They censored what we got in our local newspaper because it was a town of. 1600 people you know mm -hmm. so we didn't get as much information i remember my mom and dad not knowing and remember how are we going to explain this to the children come on how are we going to explain this is what i would hear on tv all the time how am i ever going to explain to the children what happened in the oval office are you kidding me yeah. and now we have pictures of our flotus with i mean, i've seen more of her than i've seen of 
you know, my own mom. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I just did a quick Google search uh-huh. just because we have it here. Uh-huh. And so even for, we're talking about sexual assault. He was accused in 1978 yeah. of rape mm-hmm. by a woman in... Uh, um, well, it doesn't say where she was, but her mm-hmm. name was Juanita Broderick. Yeah. Juanita Broderick. There were yeah. four people who accused yeah. him before. Uh, Juanita Broderick. Elected. And uh, listen, and I'm as guilty as anybody when I say this. In 1992, I was so sick of 12 years of Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I. Weren't we all? Uh, yeah. it, for all the, the, the Clarence Thomas appointment to the Supreme Court was one of the most cynical acts I've ever seen of uh, a president. Still trying to figure that I still, one out. You know, he put it, replacing Thurgood Marshall with uh, Clarence Thomas doesn't get any more cynical than that. Well, mm-hmm. they're both black, so uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, and um, so I was really happy that Clinton won. And I was happy mm-hmm. that he could infuriate them, and I wanted not to pay attention yes. to these stories, and I just believe that as we've paid for that. Yeah. Do you we, hear me? We have we paid have. for that. Yeah. And I think even somebody like myself that has, you know, a couple of, a half a dozen of Me Too movements, um, even when I heard it, I was like, well, you know, people accuse people. I couldn't even find it within myself as somebody who had lived through, you know, not a rape but other assault. And um, knowing, nice. I, I just couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find it in myself to criticize him. I thought, well, maybe they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And haven't we all evolved since then, right? Haven't we all had like a, a come into Jesus meeting? Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm going to uh, bring it into the presidential race. Uh, we get your comments on the presidential race, but I just got to think this. Uh, the last, I want to say, uh, three Democratic conventions Bill Clinton has had a prominent role. Yes. He's given to me. It would for Hillary. He gave that big, which that's when I really started losing it. By the way, Doris, when Billy, <laughs> he he talked, ah, oh, I love her, and then he oh. just didn't mention, yeah, you know, that's oh, right. you know what he right. did to her. Oh, I love her so much, and I've been watching Clinton a long time. Didn't even <laughs> really realize. good. Yeah, and uh, so in 2008 he gave the case for Obama, yeah. and then 2012 he gave it, and you know I'm like, oh man, Clinton can really, you know, mm-hmm. he can talk. Blah blah blah. I don't think in 2020 oh, Bill no. Clinton will be invited to the convention it would be one of the stupidest mistakes that the democratic party had ever made if they put him up there at this point not only because of the epstein connection which i do believe has him and trump shaking in their boots as a lot right but i also believe that when hillary clinton ran it is my personal belief that bill clinton did not want her to win because if you go back and listen to almost any speech he gave there were certain things that he would say and and i'm like what is your problem Wait, he, hold you're on. right. Oh, yes. There were examples. Yes. I he remember these, that. He's too smart for that. You think he's it's passive aggressive? Oh, yes. I do. Yes. I don't think he wanted he wasn't her to win. about to be first man. It, oh no. You know, could it be that his ego yeah. is bigger than his ambition? What's that? His ego is bigger is, than his Oh, absolutely. His <laughs> ego is definitely bigger than his Wait, hold on, Doris Davenport. I've, been, I've I known said you for it. a long time. I, I don't, said I don't it. believe I've heard this theory of yours. Yes. So yeah. you're telling me that Bill Clinton, even though outwardly he was saying, oh, I want my wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I'm not going to so do the invitation anymore. You're one good impression, man. It's good. Oh, what keep that. Saying? Keep that. Put that in the portfolio. What's your John Cass? I really don't like John Cassel. Yeah, yeah. I love Trump. I, I've never met John Cassel. I just love Trump. That's John Cass. 
oh, he's a great guy. Um, I really have a lot of imitations, but I've just oh, heard Clinton through so the funny. years. I've just like absorbed Clinton. I've yeah. studied Clinton. Well, he's and got that nice sing song. But he come in here right now. He goes, Doris Davenport, I know your daddy down in New York City. I remember we were on the dance floor without Gord dancing with those stupid red hearts on our head. That happened. Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that he had inside this uh, even though outwardly was saying, I love Hillary, I want her to win, you, mm-hmm. she's great. Inside, he he couldn't control himself. There was this impulse. Yes. Every time I can, I'm going to undercut her. Yes, that is I don't exactly even, what I I'm wouldn't saying. even be surprised if some of those statements weren't calculated all along. On his Not part, undercut her. So like, what, what statement are you talking about? I can't. There, I just, gosh, I, you that know what? Like I, I can't a forever ago right in now, news cycle. But just for you. I will go back and watch a couple of his speeches I will during, the, we'll during send, the election. We'll and next time we come yeah. together, why don't we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, well, I could talk about Clinton all day. But yeah, <laughs> because I promise you, when you hear them, you're going to say, yep, oh, that's yeah, not right. I yeah. thought about it when fit, I heard it. Didn't it didn't make it sense, him. but it didn't You'd listen and say, outright. she needs to sit him down. Mm-hmm. Right. He does not need mm-hmm. to speak on her behalf yeah. at another rally. And look at the very end when he met on the tarmac. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you that, knew that. That right. would explode That's everything right. that she oh. had left. That was He was a president. He knew better. Yeah. He knows presidential politics. Yeah. He did that on purpose. He I did. Wow. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, listen, Clinton, I, I think you're a dirty dog, but even <laughs> I didn't include <laughs> you undercutting Hillary. Uh, and uh, uh, all right. So let's uh, so we all agree that Bill Clinton uh, will not be invited to speak at the 2020 Democratic yeah, Convention unless the Democrats have lost their freaking unless minds. Unless they have lost their freaking minds. Which is yeah. always possible, Boris. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, my beloved Democratic Party. I know. Let's lose. Let's bring Bill Clinton out right. again. Uh, I love you all. All right. So. Um, uh, I haven't talked to you since the debates. I know. Who, who are your three uh, oh, you from the debates? All right, your my three. top three. Mm-hmm. Biden, Kamala, Warren. Wait, hold on. Now, when you say Ooh. this, Biden, Kamala, Warren, is that in order or is that just you name um, them? I think I'm just naming them. But, um, well, you know, the first two, those have always been my two top. Uh, they were my top two from the beginning and they remain my top two. I can't deny Warren all of what she is. She has worked harder than anybody consistently. Mm -hmm. She's laid out her policies on a very great level, but I still, I would like to see a Biden Kamala ticket. And frankly, this might sound sexist and maybe even a little bit racist, but I would love to see the white man be the wingman for the sister girl. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But he will never be a vice president. I mean, right. That's that's a good right. He, I don't. I, mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I know we have three constitutional lawyers here. There's no pro, <laughs> prohibition on a, a somebody being vice president, right? No, That's no, right. not at all. There is they, not. They, okay. He can go ahead and he do it. He can but do it, and he, he wouldn't. There's not a chance he. Would. Oh, you know what? I listened to that. Even Kamala going after him in that debate. I yeah. said, now nah, that's what I'm talking about. The two of them. Oh yeah, they would really work well together. Can you right. be a two-time vice president? That's what yeah, I was just you asking. Yeah, you can, there's no prohibition. There's no prohibition. And you can be a vice president after you've been president technically 
party too. Yeah. Oh, so she could have Barack Obama be her vice president. If she yeah. could. Oh, wait a minute. What about like succession? Isn't that a problematic? What do you mean? Okay. Oh, you would think Let's it would say. Be. Oh, I hear it. Constitution right, vice with president. them. <laughs> so it's it's Vice President Barack Obama. Secretary. Okay. And Kamala Harris is the president. And then Kamala Harris says, "You know what? I I don't want to be president anymore. I'm stepping down." All right. So the natural succession is that the vice president becomes which she would until the next election, or they'd hold a special election. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but that's but that would be a problem because uh, as uh, he would not be able to serve. Is it three consecutive terms though, or no? It's three terms. Period. Right. Yeah, but it wouldn't. He wouldn't be there for a full term. Yeah, he would only be there for a part. And as but that's the legal question. Even that time would you'd have to see. Where are our lawyers when we need them? But I don't. I don't see that. It's not happening. Okay. All right. Forget. I don't think Biden would ever agree to be vice president. I do. I don't think he will. No way. You think one I male do. ego, two. No, he's he seventy-six proved, years he old. He proved he doesn't. Ha- he proved that his um, ego is not priority. If you look, this is why I'm this sorry, segregation Doris, you're is going to make me laugh. Well, laugh. This is why. Oh my god! Because this is why New York City, baby. This, hello, Harlem, to be exact. Yeah. This is what country versus Harlem. But I spent half my time in the country. Yes, you did. You remember? We. Mm-hmm. we, we anyway. Uh, this is why that segregationist conversation, in my view, doesn't hurt him in the South. And the reason is because he's somebody who's proven himself. Yeah, he had to work with those old boys. He had to work with those old boys and get stuff done. Didn't didn't mean that he agreed with the things, their, their moral compass about things. But being eight years, being Barack Obama's wingman, how many times can you count? Not even on one hand, can you? Times when his ego got in the way of oh, not being all. vice president True. to Barack not Obama. It sure. never but now, happened. here's the deal. He has been there and done that and wore the T-shirt. Yeah. If he doesn't win the nomination, is he really going to want to go back and do that again? No, Why he not? won't. If you want to, listen, nope. if you like, let me, let me answer. If you like being in that space of power, yes, you do that. Because otherwise you go back to regular life. And that ain't always so pretty. And, you know, and I agree with you there, but I don't think, um, I don't think Biden is going to last to that point. And I don't think he's going to be the vice presidential or presidential candidate. Just my opinion. However, he has such an amazing amount of, um, of rapport with the country and I think that that is what would carry him forward is the fact that they really do um, uh, love him. You know, the country loves him and, and remembers the good old days with him and, and uh, Barack. But here's here would be that dream ticket would be uh, Biden Obama. You know, <laughs> but why? Let me ask you. Okay. To, let me ask you why? Why do you think that he would not last? When you say you don't think he will last to be a well, nominee, tell I, me why you don't think he will I, last. I think with with watching the debates. Um, because we went out and watched, um, Murray and I went out to two um, Democratic precincts, or, mm-hmm. or Princeton, uh, Illinois, and Princeton, Oswego. yeah, and mm-hmm. Oswego. And you saw a bunch of people up on the stage, and the second night it was a whole bunch of people with an agenda, and two men that were angry, had been there, done that, watched it all get undone, watched it advance the, the uh, conversation on pro- progressivism. And then now they have to defend it and do it again. And they both just looked exhausted. So I don't know if it's a stamina thing or if it's just like, oh, 
Jeez, we've already done this. I'm over it. I'm just not convinced that the electorate feels that way. Because well, I think the electorate, frankly, in many cir- in many places of our country are exhausted trying to figure out what is a progressive. Oh, well, that, well yeah. Okay, so my prediction is, um, you know, Joe Biden will keep stepping in things and eventually wear his welcome out. And it's not his fault. He's a great guy. I love Joe. My two top choices, and I only have two, are uh, Harris and Warren. But you got to have three. No, I got two. And then VPs, we have uh, (laughs) Julian Castro. Yeah. And... uh, Pete, Mayor Pete. Oh, you Mayor Pete. Okay, I'm not <laughs> feeling him at all. What do you like about Pete? I like the demographic that he appeals to. I like that, you know, I mean, just strictly who would make a great running mate with Senator Warren. Oh, you're right? talking about as a running mate. Not as a presidential. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. Castro and Buttigieg are VPs. All right. I and uh, Heidi, mm. your three? My three would be Warren, Harris, and Castro, but I also want to give some props out to de Blasio. He impressed me in the. God, you're nuts with I that know. <laughs> he said all the right things. Uh, a lot of people liked him right. in the debate. We're, we're but... going to close this down with a. Uh, Dennis, introduce this segment. All right, it's time for a segment uh, here on the program where our editor Leah, who is fantastic, man, she, she makes us. She is. She fantastic. makes us look current on Facebook and Twitter. We love Leah. And you know, so we decided we'll give her her own segment to end the show out. We call this segment Leah's Last Word. All right. Hi, everyone. Hey, Leah. Um, So you were talking a little bit about R. Kelly earlier. So my question today is, um, do you think people can separate an artist from their art? Um, Are we still allowed to appreciate, like, people's music, even though they're kind of bad people? Awesome question. I... Can I answer? All three of you. Okay. I, and I hate to, to cut doors off because we're not working in sequential order now. But, you know, I I had some R. Kelly on my, and, and some Michael Jackson, and I enjoy both of them. But I found that I took them off of my iTunes. I just, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and yet, you know, it's really hard because some of their songs were intricate in part of my life. But for me... That was something I couldn't separate. Yeah, um, I I think Heidi's right on that. It would be really hard. It was a great question, by the way. It'd be really hard to separate the two because, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I, that is a heck of a question because I, there are artists that I still like. You know, Prince was accused of having a domestic violence as it was Sinead, but I adore Prince. I think he's a genius. I think he's magical. But you're right. Where do you draw the line? That's an awesome. I have no idea. I, too, uh, Leah, want to applaud you because that is a very, very good question, one we should ask ourselves a lot. Um, I do think we should separate the artists from their uh, art. And the reason that I say that is because I'm, I would I, I have to say when it comes to R. Kelly, I make a very conscious decision about not outwardly playing his music. When I say outwardly, I don't mean like I go home and boogie down on R. Kelly, but I would never <laughs> like have a party and put R. Kelly on. Um, but I do think it's it's just like there's so many artists out there. We have no idea of what they're doing and we're partying to their music all day long. So people say, okay, but once you know, well, we know it. This With goes Bill back, Clinton. This go, I was just about to say, <laughs> we, you, guys, you guys said, give Bill Clinton a pass. Don't get, well, don't. Well, no. I didn't yeah, say give you him did. A pass. I said, 
Ben's question was, you said, don't judge be, his presidency. Would by, we be better off had Bush? No, that was his question. That was, question, question, that was yeah. his question. But you guys said, doesn't well, matter what he did. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, so maybe I said that incorrectly. We didn't have the information we needed to make the decisions that we needed. I don't think we were as evolved as a society to make those decisions. I think Melania knew what Trump was when she married him. Still and does. I you know, and I don't think that changes. And I think we knew what he was when we elected him. Mm-hmm. So um, we, you get what you get and you can pray over him all you want. You're not going to change him. No, I'm going to okay. be very upfront with you guys. I knew what Bill Clinton was about. I voted for him because he mm-hmm. infuriated the Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. And so did now the rest of here us. I am 25 years I later know. regretting that I yeah. voted yeah. for him yeah. because I think ultimately when you sell your soul to the devil, mm-hmm. you're going to pay the price down the right. road. Now, having said that, I think Bill Clinton's Supreme Court nominees are way better than George Bush's. I do too, yeah, but let me yeah. just say this too. I would hate to see the Cosby show go off the air because of what Cosby did. And that is why I say oh, what yeah. I did because for the black community, what the Cosby show was and is for people who know nothing about who he is, is pretty phenomenal. But, but don't you find yourself watching and cringing? No. Oh, see, I do. I, I'm like, oh. All right, all right, we have run out of time. Our next two guests are actually waiting outside for a bonus interview. And let's try and end it on a positive note here. We do have the Heartland Mamas here. They are, from out, they are from out of the city. They may have some experience in helping us here in this problem we're doing oh, lately yeah. in Chicago. Heartland Mamas. Heartland Mamas, I gotta ask, how the hell do we get that alligator out of the lagoon? Okay, so it's so funny that you said That's this. That's a good one. Heidi and I were talking about this yeah. on the drive-up. Yeah. And Heidi's like, can we just hang a big roast over it and let it jump out? Oh. And my thought was, no, well, you need the catcher pole, the dog catcher pole, because it's got to go around the neck. Yeah. You got to have one that goes under the arms and then you get the tail. And she's talking about running away from it. And I'm like, what? Wait, Heidi, you're the horse whisperer. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So horses don't have a great big gaping mouth with yeah. giant, giant teeth and they don't but come. But you r- can put one to sleep, an alligator to sleep by rubbing it between its nose and its eyes. So you said put to sleep right after you talked about my horses and you know. Yeah. <laughs> we, um. You know, the thing with the alligator is, you know, it's somebody's pet. So it's probably just as confused out there as, you know, he has, it's like a lost dog. He has no idea. He's only known humans as being a source of food and whoever cleans his tank. So that poor thing, whenever they round it up, you know, he's going to be terrified. Well, and he end up, may end up at, you know, at Cajun Connection out by me, but. (laughs) And they're out there every day, but they say he doesn't have to come up for food for six months because that's how long they can go. You think those people are hanging around that lagoon looking for that? Bob, no. What's the guy, Bob? I'm sure that alligator Bob. Alligator Bob. (laughs) Well, can we get some poke salad? Because you keep singing that song, and then I was walking around the barn singing the poke salad. You're the only one who knows that song. Poke salad, Ben, sing it. Poke salad, Gators got your granny. (laughs) Everybody said it was a shame. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to close the show down. I want to thank Heidi Henry, Marie Briel, and the Great Doris Davenport. Also want to thank Leah, our earlier guest, Ramana Hussein, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend. And from Alton, Illinois, you know what they call him back in Alton, Doris? White Lightning. Take care, Dennis. Get a great job. Give yourself a raise. Have a great weekend. See y'all. Okay.
And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Hey, downloaders, you know we live stream this program, right? Yeah, we do. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, both Chicago uh, Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And find the Chicago Sun-Times on YouTube and check us out there. Boy, there's a party going on in here. Let me get the bong out. (laughs) See you all Tuesday.